Live from the bell tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of week again. And once again, you are tuned into the live edition of the Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. It is good to be here. It is. And our videos are in the wrong order. There they go. Oh, wow. You're inverted. And you're not turned on. I'm not. I need to turn you on. I need to work harder at turning you on. You really do. This is one of those nights. Just one of those nights where uh, everything at the last minute seems to go horribly wrong, and yes. then I'm like scrambling to get everything back up and working. So, but I, I was early. You I were early, early, and it, I, I fully blame you for everything going wrong because you were early. How's everybody doing out there? Once again, we are live the same as we are every single Monday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, or corn time is what some people call that. I don't know what time that is on the East or West Coast. I don't do that math, so I'll let you do that math for me. We're, I mean, we're Midwesterners. Right. Well, I mean, you're technically, you've been here for almost 20 years. You're, yeah. You're a Midwesterner I, now. I would say yes, I'm, I'm basically. And yes. we don't do math. No. So, no. Especially so, not on Monday nights. No, not, definitely not on Monday nights. So, uh, once again, we're here to do a freaking awesome show for you. Hopefully yeah. it's awesome. It'll be awesome. How you doing, Bill? How's it going? Yeah. yeah. How about you? Yeah, I'm I'm good because uh, baseball season's about to kick off, Bill. Oh. You know, I was thinking about the NFL draft yeah, this you, weekend. Fuck so. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you came to work today, and you're like, uh, "Is the is the uh, NFL draft uh, tonight or this weekend?" I'm just yeah, like, it was "This weekend." Baseball season starting this week. Who fucking cares about your football? Yes, I, I do. I you, do. You had your chance. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even getting the full spread of the season because the 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 preseason got delayed because of freaking uh, strikes and well, not even strikes, but lockouts, which right. is like the opposite yeah. of a strike. So um, I'm just ready for baseball to start. And I did hear today. There's been speculation and like people asking for. Or pleading against this movement by the St. Louis Cardinals is they had an all-star about 10 years, 12 years ago that left the organization named Albert Pujols. And that was back when I was really big into the Cardinals. Right. I, I I don't know how many years ago. Mm. This guy left for more money to go to the Angels. And so you get those fans on one side that's like, right. oh, he needs to come back. And the fans on the other yeah. side that's like, fuck Albert Pujols. Yeah, he's he, a fucking he, traitor. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, they just announced this week that he's coming. They're they're signing him for one year so he can retire as a Cardinal. Oh, okay, they do that in football all the time. Yeah, and I mean there's speculation about it because um, I had I, I I honestly don't care. I think it'll be cool. My mic is really. Is loose. he actually gonna? I mean, is he actually coming in to play, or is he just gonna come in? And, he's coming and... in as a the uh, uh, DH, the oh, okay. designated hitter. So. Gotcha. The league now has a designated hitter for the because pitchers don't know how to hit a fucking ball, right. and we're always scared that pitchers are going to get hurt. You would we think don't pitchers care. Pitchers would be better at it. Well, you, they don't practice it. All they practice right. is pitching. Right. But that makes sense. they're like, well, we don't want our pitchers getting hurt. What about the rest of the players? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just have designated hitters for all positions then? Right. Because, I mean, the other players get hurt all the time too. But right. anyway, that that's be careful the what you wish for. You might get it. And that'd be that'd be <laughs> super gay. <laughs> anyway, that's my baseball rant. 
This show is not about baseball or no. football. I'm not even going to let you talk about football. I, I figured you wouldn't. <laughs> it's not but football. But the draft season. is this weekend, and so next week, nope. I will have a lot to say. I'm just going to mute you. <laughs> I didn't get there in time. <laughs> this week, though, we are going to be talking about uh, competition. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's the the great sport of war. Yes, I would I would call it a sport. I mean that's all it is. I mean it's yeah. just as rigged as war it as, is. as professional sports. Yeah. Even though I watch professional baseball constantly, um, I think professional base all professional yeah. sports to an extent is rigged. We've had that talk, and I think a lot of wars, to some respect, are are rigged as well. Yeah, well, especially I mean, you know the the. Um, Especially the proxy wars. Yeah, the proxy wars and then the, the revolving door of power. Mm -hmm. Which we're going to talk about quite a bit today. Because tonight's topic is the fun-filled topic of regime change. We talked about this. We talked. We predicted yes. four or five weeks ago, when this all kicked off, we, yeah. we were just like, oh shit, they're coming for uh, Putin. Right. They, they don't give two shits about Ukraine. Yeah. What they want is regime change. In Russia. And so now when yes. Biden comes out and says all this stuff and everybody's like, oh, my God, did he really say that? And we're just looking at it like, really? You didn't. Yeah, right. You, you didn't, didn't see that. Suspect that from the, the beginning. Maybe yeah. you should listen to our fucking show. <laughs> uh, Joseph says, but in war, nobody follows the rules. Do people follow the rules in pro sports, though? No. I, no, I, I mean, I, have I you mean seen as long pro as they don't get caught. <laughs> have you seen the NBA re recently? Is there even traveling in the NBA anymore? Yeah. Because yeah. they take five, six, seven, eight steps, right. and then they're just like, oh, no, I was uh, dribbling the whole time. You right. just couldn't tell because I'm that good. Yeah. So we're going to get into this episode, though, and talk about regime change because the U.S. has a heavy hand in Much regime change. Much more than I thought. Yeah, yeah. After researching, I'm like, I mean, it, we, man, we suck. And it took very little <laughs> research. You just pull oh, up a basic Wikipedia page, and it's yeah. like, 300. Yeah, and, and countries you just would not expect. And it's been going on since pre, like, World 1800s. War II. Yeah. Since well, pre, uh, oh, like, yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, the Tripoli and stuff like that's that was true. in there, too. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been we've been doing it for a while. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a little bit of that. We're going to talk about Biden, and we'll just see where this conversation goes. Before we get into the intro video, obviously, we got to mention our sponsor, our Coffee Fix of Freedom. That is Run Your Mouth Coffee. They support your right to free speech, as well as support your right to drink delicious yes. coffee. And I had to run upstairs. The reason why I was really running around with my head cut off is because I went up to get coffee, and there was no coffee in the oh. pot. So I had to turn the coffee maker on and then run down and get things positioned and yes. realized everything was in the wrong spot. And then you showed up early, and then I had to run up and get the coffee and come back down, and everything was gone again. I think you, you sabotaged me while I was I, gone. I did. I actually called to make sure... It there's no coffee, is there? I will mow my way. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing, absolutely nothing more important to your life than uh, your your individual rights and coffee. So go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code BREAKTHEBELL. That's all one word. And you'll get 10% off your purchase plus free shipping. And you'll get fresh ground, fresh roasted. Fresh I get that roasted. wrong every you do, fucking yes. time. Fresh roasted coffee delivered straight to your doorstep. You don't got to go to the freaking commie stores or order off Amazon or anything that. like that. Um, right to your door. It's delicious. Drink it. Support freedom. That's it. Love it. RYMcoffee.com. 
Check us out all over social media. Make sure you smack that like and share button all over the social medias because that's how we get our name out there. That's how we can do bigger and better thing. things. Things. Oh, my God. Not more than one. I'm going to get this. <laughs> I'm going to get on track. Check out our website at breakthebellpod.com, and you'll find access to all of our social media, most of our social medias, plus our store, which has awesome merchandise. Check that out, too. Buy some stuff, support us, do all that fun stuff so we can be better for yeah. you. So you make us better so we can be better for you. Help so, us help you. Yes, exactly. Let's get into this intro video so maybe I can get back on track here. That works. All right, we'll be right back. What did you say? You talking to me? What, what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What did he say? What did he say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby! Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? All right, and just like that, we're back. I took a sip of coffee, so hopefully I'm. You you, you see back more you. Am now. I am I yes. back on yeah, track? Yeah, you, you got like color going through your cheeks and everything. <laughs> that, so. that minute and a half that I had yes. there. Well, it's like uh, everything's just like chaos leading up to hitting the broadcast button. So mm -hmm. when things go wrong, immediately going into that, it's just like super chaos. And then the intro video plays, and I get a a minute and a half to just mm -hmm. kind of. Breathe for a second, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, I, I I forgot my chair again. Yep. I, I got this nice little chair I can use for this, just for the podcast. You, you, can, you can sit on that shitty chair as yes. long as you want, but <laughs> I, I mean, know. I've been telling you for almost two years I, now I, to I get a better chair. And, and I finally got one, and I keep forgetting to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to sit there for another two hours. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to kill this music because, as we mentioned in the pre-show, we told you so. Yes. We told you so. We told it's you. A big fat. I told you uh, so. Yeah. Uh, we told you that. Told you so. That the uh, the uh, regime change was the ultimate goal of the Western mm -hmm. countries, being the United States, probably the UK, probably some of these other countries yeah. as well. But just in case you don't believe us, because you didn't go back and listen to those episodes. I got it right here for you to to, and, to prove. What, what's the date on that? Does it uh, say? The date is March 2nd is when this was released. Okay. So we're talking almost a full month ago. Okay. So I'm going to prove it right here that okay. we told you so. Let me get the volume up. You got to hear it. So flowing across the Internet today, this evening, this is the story. The Russian economy spirals into a deepening crisis as sanctions send people into panic. Mm. I haven't read this article. Instantly, knowing what Ned does, 
makes me wonder if Ukraine's not the target. Russia is. Russia's the target. Yeah. Instead of going to sending troops into Ukraine, we slap these mega sanctions, we close their banks, we close down their economy, we stir up the public like Ned did in Ukraine mm. in 2014 to maybe rise up against Putin. God, that's fucking brilliant. What were you saying, Ned? Was, uh, the second Ned. second highest, other than Ukraine, Ned was financing was Russia. They have yeah. second highest amount of money flowing into Russia, and you said they were backing... They were backing the opposition leader. There it is. You heard it from us. We have proof. We have video documentation of us saying three, three and a half, four weeks ago yeah. that the end game is... They're going. They're they're not concerned about Ukraine. They're concerned about regime change in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this was like a last minute idea that popped right. in my head. You too. didn't even like share it. You're like, it was you're like, like I got something. It was like 30 minutes before. It's like yeah. I got I've got an idea here, yeah. and I'm going to share it with you at the end because um, I don't know where this goes, yeah. but this is what I feel is going to happen. And then just a few days ago, Mr. Biden. Joseph, what's his middle name again? I don't know. It's an R. I was thinking it was an R also. It, it is an R. I can't remember. If you, if you know it, Joseph. Rashika. <laughs> it's not Rashika. <laughs> it's something stupid, though. It's a, it's a girl's name, I think. Um, if you know what Joe's middle name is, let Ray us know. Ray. Because that's important. Let us know in the comments, wherever you're listening. Um, Joseph R. Biden comes out and says that Putin cannot stay in power. And that seems pretty direct to me. Yeah. It's, he's not holding back on that uh, one. He's not, but for some reason, his whole White House staff and Anthony Blinken's like, no, 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 that's not what he <laughs> meant. He meant he meant this, or he meant that. And it's just like, no, he said he can't <laughs> yeah. stay. He, he didn't say um, the world would be better without people like Putin. No, um, he said... Robinette. Robinette. That's what... Uh, oh, Joseph, timing, Joseph Joseph commented. Yes. Um, you didn't even give him a chance. Come I, on. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Joseph, thank you for that. Thank you for raising your hand, unlike Bill, who <laughs> who is employed. I, I, I do that. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please raise your hand? <laughs> ooh, so, ooh. So, so we're going to listen just to see if maybe we're taking this out of context or the rest of the world is taking this out of context, too. Uh, this is uh, Joe Biden and the exact statement that he said. Ukraine will never Shit. be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Why is it that the only words you can ever understand him saying are the like most damning words or the <laughs> ones that'll get us in the most shit. That's it's by like, the grace of God. I <laughs> Putin cannot remain in power. It's like, come on, man. And that's why the censor person like re relaxes and they're like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, nobody's going like, to hear it. It's like, damn it, we missed one. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, seriously, of all the things that he said in that whole thing, yeah. he had to say, all right, like the the most legible had to be uh, Putin can't stay cannot remain in power. Yeah. He said, "For the love of God, man, yeah. Putin can't stay in power," yeah. and that uh, that tells me that he's probably 
heading the actual direction of thinking along the lines right, of right. regime change. Yeah. Like they're they're talking about us secretly behind closed doors and that's something that wasn't supposed right. to come yeah. out. And now they're like, yeah. Joe, 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 we said yeah. we said only what yeah. stays yeah. in the Oval yeah. o- what happens in the Oval Office stays in the Oval Office. I, How I, many I times- can see his handler giving dirty look be like, who gave him the file? Who gave him the file? <laughs> we told you not to tell him, but, but he's the president. I, I don't care. We told exactly. him. <laughs> God, the world needs uh, Dick Cheney right about now. <laughs> not really. We'd be at war with Russia if Dick yeah, Cheney was no vice shit. president. Holy shit. So, so this article goes on. Uh, this is from CNN is where that video came from in I have the article here. I'm just going to read through a little bit of it. It says, President Joe Biden declared forcefully on Saturday that Russian President Vladimir Putin should no longer remain in power. An unabashed challenge that came at the very end of a swing through Europe meant to reinforce the Western unity. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power, Biden announced at the conclusion of a capstone address delivered in the cold outside of the Royal Castle in Warsaw. Those are details i didn't need yeah that was a little but, bit much. but it, but it is cold there oh, I'm so sure. maybe that had a lot to do with it it was cold oh i'm sure uh the white house afterwards downplayed the remark saying the president's point was that putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors in the region yeah i'm sure that, that that's what is i that got what that out s- of that <laughs> sentence <laughs> is, is it you, do you think putin got that out of that sentence no, I, you think no. he's like Oh, he just doesn't want me to uh, <laughs> exercise my power to my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all he was saying. Right. No, he legit says he cannot remain in power. He doesn't say he cannot have power over you or yeah, over you right. or over you. No, that's not what he. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, it takes us back. When was the last time in history you saw a president that his staff had to roll back right. what he said? So many times. Yeah. No, I know. Oh, what he really meant to say was, can you imagine Rich, Richard Nixon, somebody being like, what what, what Dick yeah. meant to say was, he'd be like, oh, did, I, I actually meant that I hate the blacks. <laughs> right, I exactly. didn't say that at all. <laughs> I said they're all crackheads. Yeah, and even Trump's fuel, they just doubled down. Well, that's what he said did, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, well, it's what you elected. Exactly. It's what you get. <laughs> Good luck. We got nothing for him. So, yeah, nobody that I can remember has no. just rolled. Even Bush, yeah. even bumbling George yeah. W. Bush. Yeah. I don't remember the freaking White House uh press secretaries or he, uh, the staff rolling back what he I said. I don't remember him ever saying anything. I mean, he sounded like an idiot. He could pronounce words. He didn't know how to explain things at times, but I don't remember him ever like saying something so stupid out there like that. Yeah, I guess maybe. I mean, and everybody was on the war, war path then, so he uh, right. could have pretty much oh, said absolutely. anything. Yeah. Uh, Saddam Hussein needs to be taken out of power. Yeah, he probably did say yeah. that, and guess what we did? Yeah, we took him out, took of, him power. out of power. Nobody <laughs> yes. was worried about it. So uh, it goes on to say he was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change. The line was not in Biden's prepared remarks, a separate White no House shit. official said. <laughs> That's why they all are Stick all like. to the cue cards. <laughs> Stick to the cue cards, man. Uh, but his remark was already reverberating as Biden departed Poland to return home to Washington <laughs> after his last-minute trip to attend SNAP summits in Brussels and to re- reassure allies along NATO's eastern edge. Well, that's real reassuring. Yeah, right. It was the furthest he had gone in calling for changes atop Russia's government and 
reflected a significant escalation in his rhetoric, uh, his rhetorical approach to Moscow. Uh, yeah, now it's it's rhetorical, obviously. Right. Yeah. U.S. officials had said previously, uh, Putin removing Putin from power was not their goal. So, so I guess we got to take their word right, for it yeah, because they said it previously. Well, obviously Biden's not true because the officials, which right. Biden's clearly not a U.S. official, right. uh, the U.S. officials previously said that removing Putin is not their goal. So, right. guys, we don't got to yeah. worry about that. We we can just ignore bumbling Joe. Right, we'll be okay. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov responded to Biden saying, this is not to be decided by Mr. Biden. It should only be a choice of the people of the Russian Federation. That's scary to me. Why? Because how do we currently meddle and force regime change right. in other countries? We put it on the pe the, the people. Right. We uh, we get the people all riled up. We, we mm -hmm. train them in certain... Uh, Tactics like right. uh, uh, writing tactics yeah. or uh, acti activism or, tactics yeah. and stuff like that, and, and the people get all pissed off, mm -hmm. and then they do the dirty work for us. We yeah. put our agents, spe specifically like we were talking about in that that video a month ago. Mm -hmm. We we called him Ned, but yeah. it's the the National Endowment for Democracy, which is the most right. ironic name yeah. out there. So we talked in depth about that episode. Yeah. So go back and listen to that episode. That one was. Like I said, March 2nd's episode. So yeah. if you want to hear more about the National Endowment for Democracy, uh, go listen to that. We get really in-depth in it. We're going to talk, obviously, a little bit about yeah. it today. You but can't talk about regime change without no, but, them in. No, but we're not going to go through. The National Endowment yeah, no. for Democracy is an organized— We already yeah, did that episode. Right, yeah. I mean, that's no, about how it sounded yeah, we, to you. We don't, we don't hand it to you. <laughs> you you got to listen. Yes. We're, we're, yeah, exactly. So— uh, the Kremlin says it should be a choice of the people, yeah. and I'm sure the U.S. is like, bet. Yeah, that, right. That, that's well, cool. Okay. All right. We're good I, with that. Yeah, that's what our yeah. plan was. No, well, to be and, in America, yeah, they 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 get they train the the public. To, you know, they they panic the public so that they have no other choice. But then they they slide an alternative in there. Yes. Be like, oh wait, look at that guy over there. He seems <laughs> to know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. They'll be like, well, even the Russians are on board with this. They they said it's up to the people too. Yeah. Um. It says here, I, I can't find it now. Oh, here it is. This was my favorite. Biden, standing along NATO's eastern edge in Poland, issued a stern warning during his speech, telling Putin, don't even think about moving up one single inch of NATO territory. <laughs> Did he, he say that? That's what it says. I mean, I'm sure it was in this. If we go back and listen to the full speech, I'm sure he did. Uh, if you could understand it, right. that I'm not sure. But don't even think about moving on one single inch of NATO territory. He said the U.S. was committed to the collective protection obligations laid out in NATO's charter with the full force of our collective power. Does it sound like he's like pushing for peace talks in this whole <laughs> no. scenario? No, not at all. And if I was Zelensky, I'd be like, dude, stop. <laughs> stop talking. We've got, like, peace talks going yeah. on over here. Right. And, yeah. and you're poking the bear. Yeah. You're poking Putin's bear that he wrestled yeah. with no shirt on, <laughs> and you're poking it. Yes. And then you're turning around and poking Putin in the process, too. Knock it off. So Putin doesn't want you poking his bear. <laughs> uh, one of the things that it said in this article was um, that he was drawing a clear line between democracy and autocracy. Is there? I mean, is there really that clear a line between U.S. or no current 
definition of democracy and autocracy the way yeah. the way this country's run is it right. that clear I, I mean i would say that the united states is ran pretty similarly to russia maybe he should come over here and draw that line because right? um I'm yeah. not so sure what the the line is anymore between right. the two because they they've overlapped and there's so oh, much yeah. gray area yeah. between they, the two. Like trade like staff and they like you know have staff like oh rotate through this way and then over this way yeah, into the so, private yeah. sector back into the government right. sector that's regulating the private exactly. sector and then back lobbying into the for thing. the private yeah. sector and then yeah. yeah and making up the laws as they go. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I I don't see too much of a difference and yeah. so with him drawing this clear line over in ukraine in russia it's just like uh maybe we should do that over here a bit right because yeah because of all the shit you just said so first of all after all of this for a person that is so set on not getting involved actively involved in this war we're not dedicating troops to the war not those are some really provocative statements right. between yeah. A, him saying Putin cannot stay in power, and B, saying if you step one inch onto our land, we're going to fuck you up. Right, yeah. yeah. Just like, that sounds like, yeah. well, it's basically what we've been doing the last six months in provoking uh, mm. Russia to do what they did in the first place. Yeah. It's like, don't you do it. Don't do it. Uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to put NATO in here, but don't do it. Well, don't put NATO in there, and I won't do it. Well, you better not do it. This, and then yeah. when he does it, it's like, oh, this was unprovoked and right. unprecedented yeah. <laughs> and whatever all those big words were that they used. Yeah. It's just like, do you know what the definition of provoked is? <laughs> no, I don't think they do. Because this here clearly is yeah. provocative. But the, the, they, they hope that you don't pay attention to the rest of the headlines. Yeah. Or what happened, you know, it's like 2014. They, they hope you just uh, forget what the headline said yeah. yesterday. And just and listen to what they say. It's just like, uh, we've been reading the news, too, for six months now, and yeah. now all of a sudden Russia does what they said they were going to do, and you're like, oh, this was unprovoked. It's yeah. like, no, they said they were going to do yeah, it exactly. if you did this, and you kept doing it. Yeah. Again, we're not we're not pro-Russian by any stretch, but... No, not at I all. I don't think either side has is the good guy in this no. situation. Uh, no, definitely not. And as we've researched this, you know, you, again, you get to see how big of a bad guy, you know, our... our government and their NGOs are. Imagine if the roles were reversed. Imagine if, mm -hmm. like, again, we've talked about what if Putin had troops on the Mexican yeah. border right. or had strong interest in Mexico, was putting right. a, uh, nuclear warheads in Mexico right. or building up well, the look military. what happened when they put weapons in Cuba. Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. or, or God forbid, Cuba. Right. What if uh, Putin over there, while he was backing Cuba, was like, Whatever, who's president? Kennedy at the time? Yeah, right. For part of it, yeah. for the Cuban Missile Crisis. Like, what if he was like, that man cannot be allowed to stay in power? What do you think What do you think we would have done? I mean, we would have been pretty... It's basically an act of war. Yeah, that's the way I see it. I don't know. I mean, it's at least, um, yeah. I mean, provoking war, yeah. and if nothing else. Yeah, or even saying, you know, hey, you know, if, if the United States moves on to our allies' land... Then we're gonna have a problem, and and they're gonna feel boot up their ass. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've said shit like that. Oh, you that, know we have. Anyway, let's move on because, like you mentioned, Anthony Blinken kind of came out against this and kind of yeah. gave his own statement against this and what he actually said, um, as well as the rest of. I'm I'm 
pretty sure Jen Psaki came out oh, and yeah. tried to refute it and tried to spin it too. But this one's from the New York Post and says exactly what Anthony Blinken said in all of this. It says, Blinken tamps down Biden's Putin comments. The U.S. is not seeking regime change. Says Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Sunday ish insisted that the U.S. is not seeking a regime change in Russia. The latest attempt by the administration to clean up President Biden's comments that President Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. So this is his statement. He says, I think the president, the White House, made the point last night quite simply. <laughs> you would think, right? <laughs> he thinks it. I, th I think it was, it was pretty clear, his yeah. statement. President Putin cannot be empowered to wage war or engage in aggression against Ukraine or anyone else. That seemed pretty clear. Yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It seems like he was basically saying the same thing Biden said. Oh, yeah. Virtually uh, yeah. not at all the same thing. Oh, but he can stay in power to cut ribbons and open city malls and oh, yeah. of course. You know, shake hands and kiss babies. <laughs> yeah. And fight bears. Yeah. Right. As you know, and as you've heard us say repeatedly, we don't have a strategy of regime change in Russia or anywhere else for that matter. Bullshit. They don't have a strategy for regime change no. anywhere. No, nowhere no, in the world. We don't, but I know that there I've heard that there's certain like non-government organizations that might. <laughs> yeah, but they're not affiliated with us. No, we, even though we give them all their money. Yeah, we we <laughs> we do finance them. Yes, and have some of our people work for them, but says as in any case, it's up here it is again. It's up to the people of the country in question. It's up to the Russians. Subliminal message. This is really interesting to yeah. me because this is the common theme throughout. It's up to the Russians. I should yeah. title this It's Up to the Russians, right. not Regime Change. Because Putin, or uh, no, is that the, the Kremlin spokesperson uh, said it. It's not up to you. It's up yeah. to the Russian people, which was weird that he'd respond that way as right. the Kremlin. you think he'd be like... Fuck you. Yeah, he's like, Putin's our leader. Try it. Yeah, exactly. But no, he's like, well, you know, we'll see what the people say. And well, Putin's then, like, wait, what? He's <laughs> like, what, what the hell, man? Then Blinken comes out and says, as in any case, it's up to the people in the country. It's up to the Russians. I mean, when things get repeated like that. Right. Yes. It, it starts to not feel like coincidence when they say things like that. Yeah. Um, it, it's just bizarre that it's on both sides, like yeah. I said. Uh, but there's more more people said it than just him. The UK came out, and their response to the statement was, it's not up to him, it's up to the Russian people. It's like it's, yeah. like it's freaking scripted. It's right. like, yeah. who who wrote the script? First yeah, of all, well, it's, it's a really shitty script. Yeah, but yeah, seriously. Did it come straight from the, was it scripted by the NED? <laughs> they, <laughs> they, probably this was. This is what you say. Yes. And then they're paying money to... Some powers in the Kremlin yeah. is like, just say this. Well, obviously, we're not going to change, yeah. have regime change. Maybe the Kremlin doesn't know, but the NED was just like, here's money to just kind of say it's up to the Russian yeah. people. Obviously, the Russian people aren't going to vote them out. We're not going to push them right. into that because, as you know, um, it's not our strategy. Yeah. To impose regime change. But then in Russia, there's a Coke commercial somewhere, and the line is, it's up to the Russian people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just keep spreading. So so keep keep an eye on out. Keep an eye out for that statement. I, it, it's up to the, the Russian people, mm -hmm. because I feel like this isn't a coincidence. It's no, kind of like Build Back not. Better, Yes, how yes. that was 
Joe Biden's like off the, off the cuff response right. to make America great. It was build back better. Then it turns out, hey, this is a slogan that's been circulating across the globe right. and every single yeah. freaking country Canada, is pushing France, this. England, Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when things start circulating like that, that's when you should really pay attention to what's going on. And again, yes, it is up to the people. But it's not that's not going to stop. U.S. organizations from pushing the people that direction, from right. giving them that nudge to to topple that over just a little bit, because that's that's what we do. Right. That's what the CIA tried doing in Cuba as an actual government organization yes. and all bunch of other countries and got themselves in a bunch of trouble and uh, people looking bad on them. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, the CIA is kind of a stain here. So what if what if we outsource that to right. a private organization, yeah. an NGO. Uh, and it's got to have a flashy name because CIA just sounds gross. Yeah, right. Uh, but if you, I mean, a national endowment right. for democracy. Who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like well endowment and who doesn't like <laughs> democracy? Right. And, and well all endowed the wh- democracy. All the white guys are going <laughs> to jump on that. God. I get, I get, my brain goes wherever it wants to <laughs> sometime. Um, but yeah, just pushing that to right. the NED to take over that role. Yeah. And now, for some reason, they still, after 35 plus years, having this role that the CIA used to get frowned upon for doing, they're still held up. Oh, yeah. As like this great organization that's like pushing yeah. for freedoms and pushing for democracies and all these regime changes yeah. that they they help. All these regime changes that the U.S. has been part of was obviously for the good of the people, like the right. Russian people. Yeah. And in the second half, I'm going to save it for the second half. We're going to talk about several examples of how the United States backed certain regime change. And a yeah. lot of them, for some reason, don't seem like they have the people's best interest no because a lot no. of times it's like a democratically elected person that we oust and put in an authoritarian yeah. leader that like wreaks havoc on right. the country for 40 50 yeah. years but and he'll play ball with the united but, states yeah and but but then they'll always come back and be like well it's for democracy it's it, it's for the freedoms right. of the people the people yeah. hate us because they hate our freedom so we got to go in there and give them yeah. the freedoms that they want and then i mean after we get done and like bestowing freedoms upon them, the country's just in ruins for oh, right. the rest yeah. of its existence, yeah. basically. Yes. Yeah. So because, yeah. And even yeah. I mean, even when we we say, well, we're gonna try to rebuild it, I mean we just leave it a mess. I.e. Afghanistan. I yeah. I Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, uh, Iraq, I, everywhere we've touched Libya, Haiti, Libya, Beirut, uh, Lebanon, Cuba. <laughs> United States, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, interestingly enough, like I said, Blinken tried to roll it back. The White House tried to roll it back. Joe Biden decided today to make a statement and say that he's not rolling it back. <laughs> that was today? I think so, yeah. Okay, I didn't hear this one. This was the 20—yeah, this was today. Today, Biden insists he wasn't walking back anything that he said— and then walked it back further. <laughs> he says, I'm not walking anything back. The fact, of the fact of the matter is, I was expressing the moral outrage I felt towards the way Putin is dealing. The actions of this man just 
just brutality. But I want to make it clear, I wasn't then, nor am I now, articulating a policy change. I was expressing the moral outrage I feel, and I make no apologies for it. There's such double speak in that. A little bit, yes. It's just like, yeah. no, I meant everything I said, but, but in saying that, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, that we're is, pushing policy yeah. change, but right. I'm not taking back anything yeah. that I said, which clearly was yeah. policy change. <laughs> Says, if... Okay, we'll get back to this article because this talks about if if he was serious, right. like what what does that look like? And I got a couple other things to talk about before we get there, so I'll jump back and forth between articles. But this one, I <laughs> I just thought it was funny that Blink is like, no, he meant, um, no, he meant obviously, obviously meant uh, no power over these neighboring countries. Right. And Biden's like, no, I meant what the hell I said, right, and yeah. it was just moral outrage yeah. that I felt at the time. Yeah. He basically said, I misspoke, right. but the White House like, no, he didn't misspeak. You just misinterpreted right. yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Just like, get your fucking story yeah. straight. And then Biden comes out, and he's like, no, I, this is what I meant. I didn't misspeak. And tomorrow he's going to come out and be like, actually, I meant uh, we need to kill freaking <laughs> yeah, exactly. Putin. We need to just take him out you know completely. Uh, you know what? I'm done. Just do say whatever you want, man. The uh, the Kremlin statement went on further than because I said that they said it's up yeah. to the Russian people right. initially. Well, then uh, they came out and said that, like later once they processed it and let it like like kind of simmer in right. their spirits and stuff, they came out and called this an alarming statement. And I found this interesting because this one's kind of scary to me. Uh, it says. Dmitry Peskov, the spokesperson for the Kremlin, says this is a statement that is certainly alarming. He added, we will continue to track statements of the U.S. president in the most attentive way. So it sounds like he's like, we got our eye on you, bitch. <laughs> right. You better stop saying this shit because yeah. this is you, you, you're kind of crossing lines here. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep an eye, eye out on that. And then when you have him saying this shit, you've got. Who was it? Lindsey Graham came out like at the beginning of this and was like, somebody just needs to assassinate him. Somebody can yeah, somebody right, in Ru right. some Russian just take him out. And then I think Sean Hannity repeated that stuff. Did he really? Uh, yeah. And so when when you have prominent U.S. leaders saying, hey, we need to assassinate him, the president saying this guy needs to go. And then you're like, no, we have no policy of regime change. What do you think yeah. Russia's actually looking at here? Yeah. Do you think Russia is going to be like, oh, oh, Blinken uh, explained that away? Yeah, that right. Yeah. That, we that feel makes, so much better. That makes now. sense. Yeah. I feel a little bit safer now. So uh, we can all yeah. relax and go back to peace talks. But then at the same time, he's like, you take one step over that line, and we're yeah. gonna mess you up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I just it it just bothers me that he's saying these statements. Yeah, continuing to state these statements as Ukraine is trying to work out a peace agreement. Right, yeah. France is even in the like on the ground floor trying to get some peace right. agreements going, and France is like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, and when France has to say, "What the fuck are you right. doing to us?" Then you got problems. We've been doing something yeah. wrong because right. um, France doesn't do too many things correctly. So, where do we go with this? Where do we want to? What do we want to talk about now? We got a few, quite a bit. Probably ten minutes till we get into break. This might be a little bit shorter of one, but um, I, I guess I can move back to that article that talked about, you know, what if, what if, they what if he was serious? Yeah. Like what? What does that look like? How do we handle that? Can yeah. we handle that? Is it possible to take out, like, impose? 
regime change. Because I mean, <laughs> we will get into it. We've imposed it on plenty of countries. Well, and we have, but never in any of those has the president come out and said, "Well, we can't let this person stay in power." I was, <laughs> I was gonna get to that. And I think they they mentioned that in this yeah. article. It's just like maybe you should stop blurting out things like that. And then mm. my my question was. How often is a U.S. backed coup attempt? How often does the president yeah. come out and say, "We're going to impose a coup over there"? Yeah, right. I mean, on one hand, that might legitimize the fact that it's not a serious thing because why the fuck would the president say it? If right. Maybe he's just running his mouth like Trump would. I mean, Trump threatened to push his bigger button. Did he ever push yeah. his bigger no. button? No. 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 But on the other hand, it is Joe Biden too. Yeah, well, and I, I think Joe Biden has diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> as do. well as diarrhea of, of other places, yes. But, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't think he he has any kind of composure with that. I, no. I just don't think he's got the blocks. Right. He probably did about 20 years ago, but now he just doesn't have it there. Well, then, on the other hand, too, um, yes, we have pushed regime change in all these other countries. Yes. But they've never been like a super country, like one right. of the main players. It's always yeah. been the proxies and right. like the the South American countries or the African or the yeah. Middle Eastern countries right. and, and places not like super, that. Not a superpower if yeah. you would classify Russia as a superpower anymore. I mean But they still have more nukes than us. That's true. So in that respect, they are yes. I don't think you I think I think the fine line between regime like forcing regime change is if they have nukes or not. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that that should just yeah. be. I mean, if you're going through your pros and cons list, it's like, all right, guys, uh, regime change. All right, number one, uh, it's, uh, population size. Uh, well, well, they got they got quite a bit of people here. So, but 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 a lot of them are starting to like get yeah, like feel the pressure, the, the economic pressure. So so we'll put that on a maybe. Yeah. Um, how about land mass? Land. I, Russia does have a lot of land mass, so it might be hard to do an all out assault the way we did right. in Iraq to Saddam Hussein. But but I think we could pull it off. I mean, Sarah Palin's house is over there. We could just <laughs> use her her house as a staging point right. into Russia on that side. So so we'll say yes on that. All right. All right. What's the next one? Oh, okay. Nukes. Oh, they got a lot of nukes. Yeah. You know what? We better let the people decide this one. <laughs> that should be an automatic disqualifier right, for regime yeah, exactly. change. Yeah. Fucking lots of nukes. <laughs> Disqualified. It's just like uh, when you're going to get, like, apply for a job or something, and you have those right. automatic disqualifiers. Yeah. It's like you can add a couple of these up as yeses and noes, but if you get to the felon, yeah. there's a good chance that <laughs> yeah. they're going to say no. Yeah. Fel- felony's up there with nuclear weapons <laughs> when it comes to regime change. <laughs> Yes. So when when it comes to especially especially if they have more nukes, yeah, than exactly. You. And then and when it's that, then you you let the people decide. Yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, we got to leave that up to the Russians. Because who cares if they nuke their own people? <laughs> yeah, I mean, then it's just easier on us, right? right? So this article is from NationalReview.com, and I read that. That little post about Biden saying he's not rolling this shit back yes. was from this article, so I'm going to start a little ways down. But the title is, What if U.S. really did want regime change in Russia? I don't think there's a what if in this statement. I think even if they're not planning on yeah. it, they want it. Yeah, that's they don't the want. Goal. Yeah, <laughs> they're not sitting there like, you know, what we really want is Putin to stay in power and just right. go back to play. No, they, they want, they've wanted him gone since yeah. January 1st, 2000 yeah. when he took office. Right. So scrolling on down past 
those couple statements. It says, if the U.S. did make a policy change and wanted to remove Vladimir Putin from power, what would we do? What could we do? So there's a couple ideas here. Number one, assassination. Seem possible to you with Putin? No. no. I mean, we couldn't kill fucking yeah. Fidel Castro right. for 50 years. Yeah. And yeah, Putin again. And he's on a tiny little island right off our coast. Right, yeah, exactly. Says, we've seen in history how often this goes terribly wrong. Putin has been paranoid about assassination attempts for years, using food tasters since at least 2012. Trying to assassinate Putin would have a low chance of success, and any exposure of the plot would be disastrous for the United States. Uh, I think that's an understatement. Here's the greatest understatement of all. The Russian government could and likely would interpret the assassination or its attempt as an act of war. Oh, you think so? It could. Yeah. I mean, what if they misinterpret this as an act of war, not just an assassination right. of their leader? Right. Yeah. I mean, that went so great for uh, Donald Trump with uh, yeah. who was uh, the Al- was it Al Qaeda? No, is a uh, what's the country where um, they they basically have a death a a hit list out for Donald Trump and, and his Secretary of State for oh, taking Iran. out. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. For taking out their yeah. like military, and that was a military leader. Yeah. That wasn't the president. Right. So I'm pretty sure, and he's not even a public citizen. He's a no. private sector now, yeah. and they still have assassination yeah. like hitmen out looking yeah. for him. I mean, they even did like that fake movie. Remember oh, yeah, where yeah, he was yeah, out yeah, there golfing, the, and then all of a sudden, like, like the jet flies by, and I was. And there's like a little like land drone yeah. and shit. So yeah. I, I think if we took out Putin, or God forbid. If we're if we are going to attempt, you better get it done. Because oh, God forbid yes. you yes. didn't get it done, because yeah. then it would be all out nuclear yes. yeah. assault. Pu- and Putin again, he, he's former KGB. I I know. Look what he does to like his political opponents. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he supposedly. That's why no one shakes his hand <laughs> because right? they're like, I don't know what's on that. Yeah, they supposedly <laughs> poison that one guy that the NED yeah. backs up. Let's imagine somebody that actually tried to kill him. Yeah. Apparently, he's had like oh, I'm sure up to twelve. Assassination attempts, if not more. I can't remember exactly how much, but so so basically, it's saying that would be stupid. Let's not do that. So the the next option is giving him the Saddam Hussein treatment, basically assaulting the country and overrunning it, like throwing him out. Yeah. Says speaking of war, could the U.S. give Vladimir Putin the Saddam Hussein treatment? No, that's not logistically possible. Not even if all of NATO combined. Not even all of NATO combined has enough manpower to invade and subdue all of Russia. The most promising path, then, would be to do what? Stir up the Russian people, (laughs) which is what they're all talking about. says, the most promising path would be to stir up Russian public's discontent with Putin and hope uh, an unpopular uprising topples him from power. You could argue that the sweeping economic sanctions imposed on Russia are a backdoor attempt at this outcome. I don't think it's a backdoor attempt. I think it's straight through, blasting through the front door attempt to, I mean, they're not even like really that quiet about it. It's like, we're just going to piss the people off. And we have people on the ground, you know, that are, are stirring things up. Yeah. And, you know, we have social media sites that are stirring things up. And, mm. yeah, it's just. It says uh, the hope is that the economic pain becomes so severe that the Russian people decide they've had enough of Putin's invasion and all around belligerence and figure out some way to remove him from power. In recent weeks, we've seen some courageous and surprisingly widespread Russian protests against the invasion of Ukraine. 
No doubt, plenty of Russians can see the invasion as having catastrophic effects on their country and want nothing to do with Putin's aggressive agenda. But so far, those protests do not appear to be anything that Putin's far-reaching, iron-fisted security state cannot handle. You can see, I I feel like this article is pro-regime change. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's a good idea, but can we do it is what it sounds like to me. It's just like, well, I, I guess our only option is the people, but that hasn't really panned out so well. But, uh, you know, if we keep pushing these sanctions, maybe yeah. we'll we'll see some luck in the future. They they would really need um, the opposition guy, Anatoly, mm-hmm. to really, like, step up. Not get poisoned again. Not get poisoned again. Challenge Putin, not get shot, and, and stir up a, a big group of people to be able to stand up against them. But, yeah. I mean, you, you'd have to have somebody that's got a lot of popularity himself, more yeah. popular than the current right. person, at least— Get a good chunk of the people. Right. Maybe it's like a, a and it's got to be like almost regional. It can't be like spread out, right? Like yeah. Onesies and twosies. It's got to be like regional, and you got to start in like basically how Ukraine, yeah, <laughs> kind of was toppled, right? In yeah. 2014, it says uh, secretly funding opposition groups. This is another an alternate option or an well. included option. We don't do that. What? Oh no! I was thinking about the false flag they did in Ukraine with the uh, the sniper. I can't even keep track of them anymore. Right? <laughs> Says uh, secretly funding opposition groups. Ned. Uh, more efforts to puncture Putin's wall of propaganda. Attempts to widen divisions in Russian society and encourage the formation of splinter factions. Any of those options could theoretically someday become a tipping point that spurred Russians to rise up against Putin. But they're not particularly likely to work, and they certainly aren't likely to work fast. Brutal dictators rarely come down without a fight. Sometimes the people rise up in discontent and you get an outcome like the fall of the Berlin Wall or the Romanian Revolution of 89. And sometimes people so rise up and you get the Tiananmen Square or the protests against the Iranian mullahs in recently in recent years. Goes on to say uh, there's a lot of good options and a lot of good reasons to, um, it says, to be a little more cautious and less provocative in how we treat the regime that has nuclear weapons. Again, what yeah, we said. Right. It's like, um, yeah. Checking the box there. Disqualified. Yeah, it's, it's not the guy you call out in public. Like. But, it, yeah, it goes on. It, it talks about, it says, perhaps we can give any of those regi- regimes a secret shove when they start to look wobbly. So it's still saying, uh, we could at least influence them right. to topple. I yeah. mean, we don't directly uh, involve ourselves in regime change, but would it be so bad if... Um, it got really unstable there. We just pushed it the rest of the way yeah. over. It's not like we do that ever, ever in right. all these other countries that we meddle in. Right. So, any of these seem possible to you? Uh, I mean, again, the 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 color revolution. You know, the the getting the people, you know, built up to. I, I think that's really their only possible choice. I, I really do. Well, anything else, you're risking World War Three. So yeah, the people get all like discontent and whatever but then you also add in secretly funding them you also add in the propaganda and shit like that that they talked about Uh, all that combined Mm -hmm. could do a lot of damage especially 
to people that are getting hungry. Yeah. The, to people that are losing money that yeah. that can't provide for the family. It, yeah, it stirs them up. Right. That's what that's what made us make this prediction four weeks ago mm-hmm. was the people were starting to get pissy and right. starting to protest and shit. It's just like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. That's yeah. it right there. Yeah. Uh their whole plan wasn't to hurt Putin. It right. was to literally hurt the people yeah. so that they get pissed off enough that they say, dude, you got to go. Yeah, right. And, I mean, you can have as much loyalty as you want for the motherland, but when you start to get hungry, man, right? Yeah, anything exactly. can happen. Yeah, nobody wants another stolen. No. No, and, I mean, that's basically how uh, that whole, like, famine in Russia mm-hmm. and the USSR happened to start with was with the the freaking um Russian civil war the the yeah. bolsheviks and shit because people got all out of sorts because they weren't getting treated right and right. they uprose against them and um I'm sure the US meddled in that one too but I think yeah. they were against the the bolsheviks at the time I think they yeah. sent in troops actually the United States did? against the bolsheviks right. I had read when we were looking at all It's possible the- I mean the the bolsheviks you know, interestingly enough, I found out where they were shipped out of Germany because Germany didn't want to have to deal with them. Yeah, probably. So, I was just thinking, you know, they could release some secret photos of, of you know, Putin getting ridden by his bear. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that stuff, you know, things to kind of discredit Putin, you know. I Well, remember with uh, Fidel Castro, they tried to make him look sickly, yeah. so they would they would have less faith in him. Right, which I'm sure is why you see pictures of Putin riding around with his shirt off. Yeah, he's like, I ain't sick, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these muscles. I'm 71 years old, and yeah. I've got abs of steel. <laughs> so, uh, like like I mentioned, Putin's had a lot of assassination attempts, at least that he claims, yeah. and I'm sure I'm sure it's possible. Uh, do, do you know who he went to for advice to survive assassination attempts? Was it uh, the the North Korean guy? It's Fidel Castro. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he he's like, yeah, I, I had a conversation with Fidel Castro because there was like an interview with him. There was some, I think it was Oliver Stone was doing some, a piece okay. on him, and he's like, yeah, you've had a lot of assassination attempts, not as much as uh, Fidel Castro, who's had like three hundred plus, but but you've had a lot. He's like, actually, I sat down with him to see how to survive assassination huh. attempts, and basically he said to like. You take care of your security. Like, you hand-select your security right. and all that shit. Like, don't trust yeah. any—basically, don't trust anybody. And yeah. I just thought it was interesting that he, like, had dinner or tea or something with Fidel Castro to discuss assassination oh, yeah. attempts. I, I, I would ask that question immediately. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the guy's got the market cornered on information yeah. on—I mean, exploding cigars. Right. Um, like I yeah. said— uh, <laughs> They tried to poison him. They tried to make him look sickly. They, yeah. I mean, they tried all kinds of shit. And then there was like the Bay of Pigs and yep. like guerrilla warfare yeah. and shit that they tried. They brought too. in uh, Colombian uh, um, mercenaries Maries, to try yeah. to take him out. And... Yeah, I mean, those are the ones we know about, right? Yeah, you're talking three hundred plus assassination attempts, yeah. mostly from the CIA. Yeah. So yeah, this guy has the market cornered. We have the market cornered on failed assassination <laughs> right, attempts. Exactly. So, I mean, it's it's just a uh, yeah, it's just a recipe for disaster here. Yeah. And again, if somebody, even if they convince, even if Lindsey Graham himself personally convinces through his Twitter post that he posted, convinces one Russian yeah to attempt to assassinate Putin, that guy's 
gone. He's going to disappear oh, forever. He's yeah. not going to have skin on his freaking eyelids, and right. his toenails are going to be yeah. ripped off. Parts and, of him will show up here and there. Yeah, probably on Lindsey Graham's doorstep. Yeah, right. In a, in For a the next 30 years. Mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsey Graham just dies like a uh, miserable man because every, like, Three days he's getting a body part from. Yeah. It's like it's been forty years. How do you yeah. even have these? <laughs> Putin's been dead for thirty. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> they're exactly. still coming. Yeah, he's got this just like planned out where yeah. he's like, if I die, I only ask one thing: <laughs> keep, keep mailing Lindsey Graham keep body those parts. boxes. <laughs> One, one a week. It is of <laughs> utmost importance. You don't even have to have a funeral for me. Just keep those. Yeah, <laughs> those boxes going. Oh man! Again, you had Lindsey Graham calling for it. You had yeah. John Hannity calling for it. Yeah. I mean, we we run our mouths, and and, then, and that's then... I, I can't believe Lindsey Graham got away with that. <laughs> I mean, the uh, a government official calling for the assassination of, of another official. Yeah. yeah. It, and then they come out and they're like, we've never, never had any yeah. strategy of regime change in this organi- in this yeah. government. No, they, they didn't. <laughs> but they did, though. Well, <laughs> the CIA was directly well, the government. Yes. Yes. But but again, it wasn't them. Right. They, they're not aware of any plans. Right? Oh, of course. So, not at all. Quote unquote. Yeah. I'm not aware of any assassination yeah. attempts. That's why they're sitting in the freaking um what's the 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 war room or right. whatever, like watching all the video cam yeah. footage, the the helmet cams right. footage of them going in and uh, and trying to assassinate them. And then mm-hmm. then um when it goes wrong, miserably wrong, they take a magnet and wipe the yep, hard drive. Exactly. Like, yeah. We didn't know anything yeah. about this. Like, dude, I got you on cell phone here. <laughs> right. In the uh, war no, room. No, that, that was me. that was just a war game yeah. that we were yeah, playing. Yeah, that wasn't even real. <laughs> yeah, it just happened to be at the same time that this happened. <laughs> oh, man. You think it's possible, though, to... I mean, any way is possible to assassinate or take out. Do you think the people would get that far where, where they would uprise against them? I mean, I mean the Russians... Since the Soviet Union's been a thing, the Russians have been the most loyal to their country... Right. Of any people ever, yeah. and it's just like you right. people are freaking starving, yeah. and you're and, that loyal. Well, to your and country. again, you, you look at the the media that comes out of Russia, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they are painted, they've painted the Russian soldiers. They're trying to clean out Nazis, mm-hmm. right? They're fighting the United States, who is the bad guy. So they basically painted us like we painted them. Exactly, right. exactly. So why why would they why would they want to? Yeah, you know the Russian media is saying, you know, this is all on them, right? Yeah. I, this has nothing to do. The reason we're fighting this war is because these things. You yeah, know, they could easily absolutely. turn around the absolutely. freaking media. Yeah, the United States brought Nazis into this country that's next to us. They've been abusing our people. They were abusing the people in Crimea, so we went and liberated them. They're and now they're the putting sanctions on us for that because yeah. they want you to not be free. Yes, <laughs> they right. hate you because they hate <laughs> your freedom. Exactly. Yes. What is yes. that in Russian? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, you know it goes both ways. Absolutely. The propaganda goes both ways. And even some of these uh, examples that we're going to get into of U.S. regime change was in response to Russia or the Soviet Union yeah. pushing their influence on these countries. So it's just a back and forth thing. And it's it's just been yeah. that since the Cold War, at least. This, yeah. like, well, we got to one up uh, Russia. Well, Russia just took over that country. Yeah. Well, we're going to take them over harder. Yeah. And well, Russia is invading or like influencing that country. Well, I guess we got to influence that yeah. country too. It's, yeah. it's just a back and forth it thing. Is. And I don't think either side 
is the good guy in this. No, no, they're not, because they've done really terrible things in the name of their own countries. Sure. But the difference is Russia isn't over here trying to tell us what to do. <laughs> that is the big difference. Well, but, 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 but. That's a lot of buts. <laughs> there, there are, there has been people that have said that, the, that Russia has come over and infiltrated universities, sure. infiltrated media, and Voting trying to push. elections. Exactly. Uh, Social media and all that stuff. Right. I mean, they don't have to come over here if they can take over Facebook right. or absolutely. Uh, what was the one that got shut down? Uh, the uh, the right wing one. Oh yeah, um, Parler. Yes, yeah. We don't obviously, remember the name of it. <laughs> obviously, Russia took right. over Parler. That's why they had to shut it down. So yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah. So it's like, you know, are they or aren't they? Right. So you know, they could be doing the same thing over here that we're doing over there. Well, I I'm sure it's happening. Constantly on both sides because it's just a power play. That's right. all it is. We're going to get into break just a little bit early because I do want to get into some of these examples of U.S. backed, sanctioned regime change and some of the implications that came out of them. I mean, some, some were successful yeah, for Americans, at least. Right. Um, but some were utter miserable failures. Yes. And those countries are still paying the price for it to this day. And the U.S. just like, well, we don't know why those countries are yeah. so fucked up. It's like, well, you, because yeah. you stuck your freaking we, nose in yeah. it. We, we didn't know they were going to have a genocide over there. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we did put a brutal military leader. <laughs> right, yeah, who basically said that he hates these six tribes in this yeah. country. But but how are we supposed to know? <laughs> actually do it. <laughs> right. So we're going to get into break, and when we come back, we're going to dig into some of those examples, and then we'll just wrap this thing up and see where it goes from there. So give us just three to four minutes. We're going to freshen up our drinks, do whatever it is we do, and then we'll be right back. We'll see you in a few. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remster W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence to new ways to develop rugged individualism to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remster W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remster W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Uh, Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Me Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net.
And we're back. Good. How did you break? I don't remember. Oh, okay. It's all right. That's good, I'm, huh? I'm here, so. All right. Well, that's a plus, then. I had to get more coffee. I had to get some water, and then, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Say hello to my children. Yes. And then back back at it. Back in the, <laughs> the swing of it. Okay, good. How was your break? It was wonderful, actually. Yeah? yeah. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Well, your laundry room looks really nice. Thank you. <laughs> I cleaned it last week yeah. sometime. Let's get back into talking about regime change. Okay. Talking about uh, <laughs> it's up to the Russian people. <laughs> Isn't it always? <laughs> the running. Uh, and, and uh, you know, there was an interesting point that I, is that, you know, the American, the Western people, the Western government doesn't understand the federal system of the Russians, right? Right. And so if Putin were to get taken out, right? who knows who you're going to get, <laughs> right? And, and isn't that kind it's, of what it's history It's not like this us? has ever, ever happened in history before. Right? Yeah, that, right? Uh, we take out somebody, we put in somebody that we think is good, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, shit, that guy was really, really yeah, bad. Like, and then we got to go. How did I miss those red flags? And we got to go take him out again <laughs> and put somebody else in, right. and it's just a vicious yeah. cycle so yeah it's uh, i mean we talk all the time about the the power vacuum that happens during the proxy wars yeah. just i mean imagine if that were to take place in a major country like that right. yeah. i mean how, how many years did it take before after the bolshevik uprise for there right. actually to be a set in stone power yeah. structure right. there I think almost 30 years yeah well it was just how, what there was like two civil wars in one yeah. freaking year yeah. In 1918, but, I think there was two. There was one in like yeah. February and one in like October. It's like, but it, obviously it doesn't work. But it's always the strong guy that has to, you know, the strong man that comes in, somebody who doesn't take shit that yeah, take a, over. Authoritarian is yes, what it's got to yes, be. It exactly. has to be authoritarian yes. to take out, like, fill in that freaking power vacuum. Otherwise, uh, you just got factions on both sides yeah. trying to fight for power. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. Or you end up like Haiti, where, like, every power change has been violent, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, how many did we discuss in Haiti? Oh, God. I mean, there was. I think there's. There was one, like one democratic election, and then yeah. he got ousted later. Yeah, I think, right. So, so I, I don't think that one counts either because I don't know. You would think you'd think we'd learn a lesson, right? But it's been over eighty years, and yeah. But uh, we're we're going to talk about some of those lessons that you think they would have right. learned from because yeah. we've got plenty to choose from. Yeah. We've got a slew of a whole oh, yes. giant load of lessons that, I mean, it, if you would put them in all a book, it'd probably be like, <laughs> can it be a pop-up book? <laughs> that'd be awesome. Before I do, before I, we, we get into those specific examples, I have this article. It just mentions the three types of U.S. regime change. So, so we have these categorized now okay. too. Nice. And it's, nice. it's, pretty much follow suit to that article that talked about, well, we could assassinate, or we right. could uh, like militarily go in and take them out like Saddam Hussein, or the best option would be the people, like uprising. So these are the three types of regime changes. Uh, number one is from above. Let me, like bomb let me show this. From above. Um, so basically targeting the, the leadership. Oh, so like the decapitation. Top, uh, yeah, like top top down. Gotcha. So if, if the targeted leader had been de democratically elected and enjoys popular support, the CIA has worked with elite groups such as the military to overthrow him, sometimes through assassination. So 
take out the leader. Right. CIA straight up takes out the leader because yeah. <laughs> you can't depend on the people to do it in that case right. because they like him. They Lee Harvey him. Yeah, and it's always interesting to me where they're like, if they're targeting a democratically elected leader, well, isn't the again, isn't the way they present this to us is is for the good of the people. It's for right. well, this is a democratically elected leader that the people right. like. So why are we taking him out in the first place? Why how is it why is that our place? Right. Then the next one is from below. So you got from above, naturally you got from below. The people. Which, yeah, it says if the targeted government faces genuine popular unrest, which is what we're kind of pushing for in Russia right now, the U.S. will foment and organize it to topple the leader, elected or otherwise. It says in 58 and 59 anti-communist protests in Kerala, India, locally supported by the Congress Party and the Catholic Church were funded by the CIA, leading to the removal of the elected communist government. And it gives a couple other examples there, too, which we'll get to. So we got from above, which was assassinations, which was in that article. We got right. from below, which was rising, like convincing the people to rise up, which was in the article. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is military intervention, which was Saddam Husseining right. him, which yeah. also in that article. So it says, if a coup is not feasible, the U.S. turns to indirect or direct military intervention. One of the earliest examples was the U.S. expeditionary force that invaded Russia in 1918 during the Bolshevik Civil War in an attempt to help overthrow the new Bolshevik government. Hmm. So, yes, we did meddle in that, too. And we did try to take out the Bolsheviks through military invasions and Hmm. shit. So, I mean, Russia has a long history of our intervention into their affairs. Whether that be at home or abroad, right. we, we've been meddling in their affairs since, since the Soviet Union was created. So so that just kind of tied back to that other article yeah. saying, hey, that's, that's how we get involved. That's how we—those are the three examples, categories of U.S.-backed regime change, okay. military involvement. So obviously we got to go to Wikipedia to look at some of the specific regime changes. Sure. And this list is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm only going to mention a few of them, but you can say there's so many in there that I had no idea about. <laughs> let's just let's just show you the table of contents alone of this Wikipedia mm. article. We've got pre 1887 intervention and then the list just goes and goes and goes and goes all the way to obviously yeah. Present time. The most recently being Libya and Syria, which mm. was just what five, ten years ago for yeah, the two of the them. Arab Spring. Yeah. So I mean this list is extensive. Obviously, we're not gonna be like, well, starting back in nineteen yeah. or eighteen eighty seven, uh with or eighteen oh five was the Tripolitania. Oh, so okay. Tripoli. Um annexation of Texas is included and the invasion of California because mm. basically uh, Texas was seen as kind of like rebel Mexico, right? Which yeah. what's Texas today? Rebel, <laughs> rebel United right. States. So the U.S. kind of pretty much went in. I was like, you know what? That's ours. Mm. And then, obviously, a war was fought yeah, over that. Right. And then, after the war dust settled, we also had California out of that too. It's right. just like how <laughs> we just wanted Texas, but I guess we'll take California too. Well, now we're hating that. <laughs> right. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you guys want it back? <laughs> yeah. Can can you just go like go back to Mexico? 
So there's a few that I wanted to point out here. But first, I wanted to read this little intro thing because it, it made me l- chuckle a little bit inside. It says, since the 19th century, the U.S. government has participated in interf- and interfered both overtly and covertly in the replacement of several foreign governments. Several. Several. That made me chuckle when it's like, um, yeah, they, they acted on their own behalf to uh, interfere with several yeah <laughs> one two three hundred yeah, just I, keep going yeah several i'd seen another article that said just in the cold war era so like 1940s to 1989 or yeah. whatever 72 times the united states attempted to yeah. overthrow a government 72 just in that what 40 45 mm-hmm. year stretch that's more than one a year. Yeah, right. It's like we're yeah. we're like, dude, we got double countries this year. <laughs> our quota, like our quota is great. We don't. We only have to get like half a country next year, That's and we'll right. be okay. Put, put it on the board, <laughs> right? So it says uh, in the latter half of the 19th century, the U.S. government initiated actions for regime change, mainly in Latin America and the Southwest Pacific, including the Spanish-American and Philippine-American wars. At the onset of the 20th century, the U.S. Uh, shaped or installed governments in many countries around the world, including Panama, Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. And we've talked extensively on Haiti. Yeah. Go back and listen to that one, too. That's a good one. That was right after the Haiti president assassination, yeah. which I'm still convinced was American intervention. Yeah. Oh, I think so, too. To some extent. So let, let's get into some of these examples. I've got a few that I have picked out here. That I want to specifically talk about, um, and if you have a couple, just jump in too. Sure. It, like I said, this is a timeline of all the events um, in order. So, if you think of something around this time as I'm talking about these, definitely jump in. The first being, it's funny because they the the first ones they talk about like in this kind of century here is. Nazi Germany. So so we got to obviously we got to put a positive spin on this because right. if it wasn't for right. US intervention, we never would have had uh been able to take out the Nazis. So 1941 to 1949. In December of 41, the US joined Allied campaign against Nazi Germany, a fascist dictatorship. The US took part in the Allied occupation and denazification of the western portion of Germany. I just love that word. Yeah, it just sounds it sounds so freaking made up. Which there Russia's jumped on that now and is using denazification yeah. at yeah. least according You can't blame to, them on that one. Yeah. Former Nazis were subjected to varying levels of punishment, blah 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 blah. So the those ones include Nazi Germany, Italy, which was the same time frame with uh Mussolini. Um France, obviously, we had to kick out the Nazis out of France. Yes. So we meddled there. Belgium, we had to kick the Nazis out of Belgium, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So most of these were Nazis in the 40s that we were, we were kicking out of these countries. I, yeah, do, you do can't you really that, hate on that. I was gonna, do you put that in the same realm as— No, because they were invading countries. Like, they, they had— they had invaded other countries, and so I don't really consider that regime change— because we were just setting the natural order back up. Okay, so setting it back up in like the Netherlands and uh, Poland and yes. whatever, fine. But what about Germany itself? 
Is that on par with? Well, I, I think you had to at that point because what there was no guarantee he wasn't going to try to do it again. Well, they're saying the same thing about Putin, man. No, I mean not they really. said it. Yeah, yeah, because Crimea happened, yeah, and they but, said but this we, next time they're going to roll through. We, all. we we made that happen. We influenced Crimea. We influenced the whole Ukraine thing. So we 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 caused this. We didn't cause. Well, okay, all right. I take that back because <laughs> I, I guess we did. You, I was waiting for you to say it. I was waiting for you to say. Because <laughs> in World War One, we kind of fucked them over. And did we got? Did we push them? To cross the line, yeah. I'm not saying we push them to uh, genocide and holocaust. No, but no, not that. But you know, they we created the vacuum that put yes. freaking Hitler in yes, power to we start did. with. We did. So maybe similar. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say, "Man, we should have just stayed out of Germany." Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mean, if you do, you'll get kicked off. But I wouldn't really say fast. that we manipulated events to. Would you? <laughs> I mean, knowing what I know today, I wouldn't, wouldn't put, put anything it past. Past. Maybe anything Wilson past actually oh, caused the um, the assassination of the Serbian uh, Duke, Ferdinand. Uh, highly possible. I missed one. I forgot to talk about this one. This is back in 1906 and ni- to 1909. Cuba. I didn't even know we were involved in Cuba pre like Cuban Missile Crisis. What year is that? 1906 through 1909. This one's interesting. You've Got to hear this one. First okay. of all, it started with the explosion of the USS Maine. How many times has USS Maine exploded? <laughs> At least once every decade. <laughs> it's always the start of a war, it, it, it seems is. like. After the explosion of the USS Maine, the U.S. declared war on Spain. That's a, a poem. <laughs> <laughs> Starting the Spanish-American War. The U.S. invaded and occupied Spanish-ruled Cuba in 1898. Many in the U.S. did not want to annex Cuba and and passed the Teller Amendment forbidding annexation. So we didn't want to take Cuba, so they passed an amendment saying we're not going to take Cuba. Gotcha. <clears throat> says Cuba was occupied by the U.S. and run by military governor Leonard Wood during the first occupation from 1898 to 1902. This sounds similar to Haiti. Yeah, very much we, so. Because it was under U.S. military occupation right. for years, too, probably in that same time frame. says um, the Platt Amendment after the war was passed later on outlining U.S.-Cuban relationships. Listen to this one. So this gives us precedence for the Cuban Missile Crisis and all our meddling there, because the Platt Amendment that was passed says the U.S. could intervene any time against a government that was not approved. Hmm. Interesting. They forced Cuba to accept it, to accept U.S. influence, and limited Cuban abilities to make foreign relations. The U.S. forced Cuba to accept the terms of the amendment by putting it into their constitution. Damn. They forced Cuba, like, look, we'll leave you alone, but anytime we don't approve of your government, we can come, we can come in and intervene, yeah. and you, better, you need to put this in your constitution because this is the yeah. law. Interesting. That's pretty fucked up. That's very <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, we're not going to take over you, but at any point, if yeah, and if we don't like who you got in there, well, it then basically we can, come can in. be like if any like uh, foreign like uh, resources pop up on your island right. there that we want claim yeah. to, and we uh, ask for them, but the guy won't give them to yeah, us. Yeah, then we then, can come in and intervene. Yeah. Right now, we have zero interest in you at all whatsoever. Right. <laughs> but we're not saying we we don't want to close that door. Yeah. So put this in your constitution that at any point we can if we feel the need to. That's pretty screwed up. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, that went on, and 
it looks like we intervened again just a couple years later. It says, Thomas Estrada Palma became the first president of Cuba after U.S. withdrew. He was a member of the Republican Party of Havana. He was reelected in 1905 unopposed. However, liberals accused him of electoral fraud. How can you have electoral fraud if... You're unopposed, <laughs> right. unless you killed. I mean, that would be the, That's b- the greatest electoral fraud yeah, right. is killing your opponent. I wouldn't put it past anybody. Says fighting between the liberals and Republicans uh, due to tensions. He resigned on September 28, 1906, and his government collapsed soon afterwards. So U.S. Secretary of State William Howard Taft invoked the Platt Amendment and the 1903 treaty under approval of Teddy Roosevelt and invaded the country and occupied it. The country would then be governed by Charles Edward Magoon during the occupation. That's quite the name. Yes. They oversaw the election of Jose Miguel Gomez in 1909 and then withdrew from the country until... Castro. Castro. Then they decided they wanted to. They're like, whoa, 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 there's a Platt Amendment. We can come in here on this. And Castro's like, no, fuck your Platt Amendment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I, I ripped up my constitution, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so it's not. We got in a the whole con- new one. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, it's in the constitution. You, you're talking this right yeah. here. He lights his <laughs> cigar on it. Yeah, <laughs> he rolls the cigar <laughs> in it. So it, it's, it gets interesting to me that like some of these later tensions that we have with certain countries and regime changes that we got involved with actually occurred decades before as well. It's just mm. like it just keeps cycling through because. Yeah, um, we were involved in Syria in 1949. I was not aware of that. Was that part of the whole <clears throat> Israel thing? And 56 and 57. Oh wow, Syria <laughs> so, is just as a repeat. Yeah, we we go to Syria a lot. I wanted to look specifically at Syria. Says the government, because <clears throat> I said 1949, right? Yes. Yeah. The government of Shukri Al Kawatali was re-elected in 48, was overthrown by a junta led by the Syrian army chief of staff at the time, Husni al-Zaim, who became president of Syria on April 11, 1949. Zaim had extensive connections to CIA operatives, although the exact nature of U.S. involvement in the coup remains highly, highly controversial. The construction of the Trans-Arabian Pipeline, which had been held up Mm -hmm. in the Syrian parliament, was approved shortly after this CIA-backed... It's the oil. President Zaim. It's about the oil. Yeah, it was like, uh, I don't know if we want to do this. This pipeline could be bad. And then all of a sudden, a CIA operative, Mm -hmm. this Al-Zaim, overthrows the elected president, and then within days... The oil yeah, pipeline got got approved. It's amazing how that works, right? isn't it? Yeah, it's just progress. So, so that was Syria back in forty nine, and then Syria, and then Syria and China and Egypt. I'm sure a lot of the Middle East was for oil, oil purposes. Right. Yeah, Iran. This yeah. one's my favorite. Iran, nineteen fifties, fifty two to fifty three. Says since nineteen forty four, Iran was a constitutional monarchy ruled by the Shah Mohammad Reza. Pahlavi. From the discovery of oil in Iran in the late 19th century, major powers exploited the weakness of the Iranian government to obtain concessions that many believe failed to give Iran a fair share of the profits. 
During World War II, the UK, USSR, and the US all became involved in the Iranian affairs. So they they just got fucked from right. all sides. Yeah, no doubt. Including the joint Anglo-Soviet invasion of Iran in 1941. That doesn't sound good. No. Iranian officials began to notice that British taxes were increasing while royalties to Iran declined. So we're they're taxing Iran for the mm. oil that's coming directly out of their country. Yeah. Says by 1948, Britain received substantially more revenue from the Anglo-Iranian oil company than Iran did. Negoti- negotiations to meet this and other Iranian concerns exacerbated rather than eased tensions. Says in 1951, the Mahi- Ma- Iranian parliament passed legislation championed by reformist politician Mohammad Mossadegh to nationalize the oil. Then what happened? It got fucking taken out. Right. <laughs> so elects this new new guy into office, new yeah. politician. He comes in and says, hey, the oil's ours. All the rest of them can go. Right. Says the Senate approved the measure two days later. Fifteen months later, Mossadegh was elected prime minister by the Majlis. International business concerns then boycotted oil from the nationalized Iranian oil industry. That sounds familiar. Yeah, right. We're going to boycott their oil. Yeah, Yeah, just shut down their economy that way. Yeah. This contributed to concerns in Britain and the U.S. that Mazadegh might be a communist. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Because he he nationalized their oil, which was their primary resource. Of course, he's a communist. He was reportedly supported by the Communist Today Party. Uh, the CIA began supporting 18 of their favorite candidates in 52 uh, Iranian election, which Mazadegh suspended after urban deputies loyal to him were elected. New parliament gave him emergency powers, which weakened the power of the Shah, and there was a constitutional struggle over the roles of the Shah and the prime minister. However, America's position shifted in 52 with the election of Eisenhower as U.S. president. The CIA launched Operation Ajax, directed by Kermit Roosevelt Jr. Kermit. He's like the son, or grandson uh, yeah, of Teddy, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's Teddy's. And he was involved in a couple of these. I, yeah. I've seen his name pop he, up in a couple. Yeah, he um, yeah, was pretty uh, big with the CIA. Yeah, and he like <clears throat> formed not one, but two coups mm-hmm. in the country because the first one failed so miserably that oh. he decided— it, Basically, in four days, there was two coups, and the president got taken out, and that was it. says, uh, the coup saw the transition of Pahlavi from a constitutional monarch to authoritarian who relied heavily on the United States government to support. That support dissipated during the Iranian Revolution of 79 as his own secretary or security forces refused to shoot into nonviolent crowds. The CIA did not admit its responsibility until the 60th anniversary of the coup in 2013. Yeah, that was us. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was good times. Hey, uh, we're celebrating here, guys. Yeah. What? Why? We had nothing. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot to mention, but we, we right. do. So we're <laughs> celebrating, guys. Well, and that's the one where um, Rockefeller brought uh, the Shah to the United States for surgery and mm. when the Iranian people wanted to put bring him up on war crime charges. That was probably in the 79 or whatever yeah, yep. when... when they lost all faith in him. Yes. <clears throat> well, not like they had a lot of faith in him. But, right. But there's an example, a classic example there, where it was democratically elected, yeah. strongly, like, 
strong backing of the people. Mm-hmm. The, the people loved this guy, but yeah. he nationalized the oil. Yeah. So he, Britain actually went to the U.S. It was like, you got to do something about this guy. It yeah. was Britain because they were the- It's always ma- Britain, isn't it? Yeah, they were the major players in Those the- bastards. In that, um, what was it called? The the oil company. Yeah. They were one of the major play- players in that. Right. They were the ones that were getting all the profits. Yeah, and they were taxing the Iranians on their own oil. Yeah. So when he nationalized it, they yeah, they came to the U.S. and was like, what can you do? And the CIA is like, we got this. We're going to send Kermit over. Yeah, freaking Kermit. <laughs> all right, so more interesting ones. Because you, you've heard the, the one about... Um, the the couple of them about uh Iraq, right? Oh, yeah. Um like yeah. where we took out Saddam Hussein yeah. who was Yeah, I know those ones. You you you, you you're yeah. familiar with those. I well, am. are you familiar with Iraq in 1963? Uh no. Let me educate you because this is another one that it's just like well, we put them there in the first place. I, I think I probably did learn about it. <sighs> so far down. There's so many of them. So Iraq, Iraq, 1963, several sources notably said Aburish, or notably said Aburish, have alleged that the February 1963 coup that resulted in the formation of the Ba'athist government in Iraq was masterminded by the CIA. Mm. So we asked, we supposedly didn't, but we did, help to oust their current leader, and the in the very least the power the vacuum there is what formed the Ba'athist party and who came directly out of the Ba'athist party Saddam. Saddam Hussein who had to go back and later after we told him he yeah. could go attack Kuwait which right. is fine yeah then we had to go in there and tell him he couldn't attack right. Kuwait and then we had to go back in there again and take him out because yeah. he's such a danger and right. we single handedly had a lot of influence yeah. on putting him there in the first place and how much you want to bet that one had to do with oil as well oh you know it. It's all about the the, the oil. It's because... always about again. It's U.S. interest, whether it's right. it's a naval base or it's oil or it, it's it's yeah. It who it, knows? It, yeah, it's resources. Yeah, mostly, it's always about or resources, like strategic ports yes. or strategic yes. places and stuff. It's never about the people. No, because if it was about the people, we wouldn't allow freaking the Baathist Party to yeah. reign in power for fifty plus years be- right. before we decide. You know what? They're not yeah. letting us have the oil again. Yeah. Let's go in there and. Yeah, take and, out Saddam Hussein. And I remember we we were on Saddam's side against Iran in the eighties when yeah. Iraq and Iran were in, at war. Right. And then we we're we had quite the on again off again relationship with. We did. Uh, That's why he was well, when they came to kill him. Finally, he was like, oh, "I didn't think you guys really would do it." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I thought that we had thought, this that we had this agreement <laughs> thing where you say you're gonna kill me, yeah, and then you come then in the you country, in, but I hide, then, and then you leave. Yeah. So, so I did what I was supposed to. Yeah. I hid, <laughs> and here you are. Why? Why are you here? <laughs> It's like, whoa, guys. It was almost like Chris Rock last night when he yes. got smacked the shit out of him yeah. by Will Smith. When Will Smith came out, he's like laughing like, oh, yeah, I know, man. Yeah, you, got me. You, got me. you got me. And then all of a sudden he smacks him. He's like, oh, yeah. did not see that coming at all. And that that, that was Saddam Hussein getting yes. smacked yeah. the shit out of him by the United States. <laughs> Obviously, there's Afghanistan from 79 to 92. Yeah. We fucked that one up royally. Yes, we did. Um, that was us obviously trying to kick yeah. the Russia Russians out. out. Yeah. Because it says, 
the revolution, the Sour Revolution brought Democratic Republic of Afghanistan to power, a one-party state backed by the Soviet Union. In what was known as Operation Cyclone, the U.S. government provided weapons and funding for a collection of warlords and several factions of jihadi guerrillas known as the Afghan Mujahideen. I don't remember how to pronounce that. We talked about Uh, it extensively. Yeah, that's that. Uh, Fighting to overthrow the Afghan government. Uh, The the program began modestly, blah, blah, blah. We talked about all this stuff, but, but that's a classic example of one that, I mean... I thought I was always under the impression that the Soviets were just rolling in and we were helping right. the Afghanis Keep push the, them out. Yeah. But apparently a government came to power that was backed by the Soviets and we went to the rebels and pushed the government ah. and the Soviets out at the same time. The same with what they're trying to do with the freaking jihadis yeah. in Syria trying to right. push uh, what's his name out. Yeah. What's the Syrian guy's name? Oh, God, God damn it. I don't remember. We do terrible with names tonight. I know. When we, man, we talked about them before. Yeah, many times. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the same thing. Like, we back the rebels, and then they turn into freaking terrorists and ISIS and shit. Yeah, right. Same thing happened in Afghanistan. We back the rebels. They turn into, al- like, parts of them at least split off into Al-Qaeda and turn into terrorists and shit. So, it, how much of this do you think is... Intentional. I know we've talked about this before. How much yeah. do you think destabilize Assad. Assad? Yeah, there's there <clears throat> Bashar al Assad. Yes. How much do you think the destabilization part is the intention? Because oh yeah, it seems like either that or we just terrible judges of character. I I, I think that um or both. We we want someone in there that um is going to be strong enough to keep outside forces out. But we can also he's shitty enough of a person that if we take him out, no one's gonna complain. Well, I, I think that there's probably plenty of them where yeah, we want to put in a puppet guy that yeah. we can control as much as we need to. Yeah. But I think in a lot of circumstances, in at least a few of the circumstances, their intentions probably are just to destabilize so they can make things worse for their opponents in that region so yeah. uh like we had kind of predicted that with uh afghanistan right, with right. our pullout it's yeah. just like well china's looking to roll through this so if we destabilize that region right. more yeah then they're not going to make it more difficult yeah make yeah. it more difficult for china that. to roll yeah. through so i i think it probably could go either yeah. either direction it depends it probably depends on the the reason for it for instance if it's if it's for like strategic area like you said to throw off an enemy strategery strategery then yes, it's probably to destabilize. But if it's for a resource such as oil, then they want to mm. build up the area to protect that resource. Yeah, uh, it's like we roll into these places and take kind of do our regime change thing for the oil, and then once the resource kind of starts running out or we stop having rights right. to it, then it's just like fuck it, we're going to destabilize all of it. Yeah, which is probably what we did in uh, Iraq. Yeah, they probably. Uh, help put them in power so we could have that mm. resource. The, but then um, Saddam Hussein finally is just like, no, yeah. I'm not gonna. And then they're like, oh, destabilize that whole yeah, area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was that. Well, or because for them, I think Saudi Arabia had asked us to. Yeah, they're like, you know, this guy's kind of an asshole. Can you take him out? <laughs> right. <laughs> Obviously, you can't. We can't forget the classic example we've mentioned it a couple times is. Uh, Cuba, right yes. off her border. I yeah. mean, that was an ongoing, pretty much his Fidel Castro's entire life yeah. was um, basically us 
trying to impose right? regime change. He, he probably would sit around on a Friday night after no one tried to kill him and call the CIA and be like, I'm still here. I'm just missing you. Wanted to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know... Do you know what one of the main contributors to the Cuba thing was? Mm-mm. Oil. Really? I didn't know Cuba had oil. I didn't know they did either. Uh, this this one here talks about, well, it talks about the military dictatorship through 1952, which was probably sponsored by us because, remember, we said if we didn't like it, we'd take it out. Right. So, obviously, we hadn't taken it out yet, yeah. so we must have been okay with it. <laughs> Says it well. It yeah. It says was backed by the U.S. government until March of '58. His regime was overthrown uh, on December 31st of '58, thus bringing the end to the Cuban Revolution that was led by Fidel Castro and his 26th of July movement. Says Castro became president in February '59. The CIA backed a force composed of CIA-trained Cuban exiles to invade Cuba with support and equipment of the U.S. military in an attempt to overthrow Castro's government. The invasion was launched in April '61, three months after JFK assumed presidency. But the Cuban armed forces defeated the invading combatants within three days. That's mm. the Bay of Pigs. Yes. Operation Mongoose was a year-long government effort to overthrow the government of Cuba. The operation included economic warfare, including embargoes against Cuba. Sound familiar? Right. Uh, to induce failure of the communist regime to supply Cuba's economic needs. Hmm. Hmm. But, but we don't have regime change plans no. in Russia. No. But trade embargoes yeah. to um, induce failure of the, the regime playbook. to supply economic needs. Yeah, yeah. same playbook. The end game there was regime change. So yeah. how can you look at this and be like, obviously, obviously, we're not looking at regime yeah. change here. No, I, when yeah. you when you put all the plays in the same order, you have to expect the same result that yeah. you were intending on Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> but that didn't work on Cuba. Right. So why would they expect it to work? I guess. Yeah. So well, that was that was that was Castro. This yeah. is Putin. But Putin. <laughs> It, I know the guy it, rides it, bears. Uh, well, he, uh, <laughs> and his mentor was his assassination Castro. mentor. Right, yeah, was his Castro. assassination trainer <laughs> says the economic warfare prong of the operation also included the infiltration of the CIA operatives to carry out many acts of sabotage against civilian targets, such as railroad bri- railway bridges, a molasses storage facility, electric power plants, and sugar harvests. So they weren't just attacking military targets. No, they were attacking. Yeah. Their whole infrastructure. The, the people, yeah. to get the people pissed Their off. Their industries. But then what you think, again, like we said with Russia, Fidel Castro, all he has to do is be like, why do you want, Why would you want to follow them? Look what they did to your yeah, power exactly. plant. exactly, yeah. Look what they did to your right. fucking molasses. Yeah. They're the ones that raised the interest rates, not right. me. Says, in addition, the CIA planned a number of assassination attempts. We talked about those. Um, was also involved in assassination plot on Raul Castro, his brother. Yeah. I'm trying to see where also it talked failed. about the oil. I I know it talked about oil. Oh, here we go. Eisenhower imposed further sanctions in 60 after Cuba nationalized the U.S.-owned Cuban oil refineries. Mm, once again, nationalized. The oil, yeah. They took control of their own oil. So, so what it said here is we first imposed embargoes in 58 on the Batista dictatorship. Yeah. For whatever reason. It doesn't go into details why. Right. But then after 
um, the Cuban Revolution or whatever, they nationalized their oil, and the U.S. is like, no, no, you don't. So yeah. that's when um, this whole Cuban Missile Crisis, the whole Cuban um, Bay of Pigs and everything right. started, the embargoes and everything, because all comes down to that the oil once right. again. So it's it's just like... They tell you in the history books it's because of communism right. and the fight for democracy oh, in the course. region. There was never democracy there in the first yeah. place. It was a dictatorship that right. we backed. Yeah. And then we put that dictatorship there in the first place, and we backed it. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, we fell out of good graces with it. Yeah. And then the people were like, you know what? This sucks. Get rid of that guy. Yeah. And happened to be communist, and the U.S. was like, but what about our oil? Right. It's never about the people. No. It's never about the the Russian no. people. It's I, never about the Syrian people. It's I'm about the resource. I guarantee if you go through all of those regime changes, not one of them helped out the people that live there. There might be like one. I don't think any. Maybe. I don't think so. One and a half. <laughs> so. The, the couple in, that were in there that surprised me were uh, like Greece, mm-hmm. Spain, Australia. Yeah, I didn't couldn't even get to all those yeah. because again, we only have so much right. time to I read know. through these. It was just uh, interesting because the you know those are considered allies generally, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, this other article talks about which I'm not going to get into because we've talked about quite a few of them, but it talks about specifically democracies that were overthrown by the United States, and it says America only cares about its own democracy, mm-hmm. and that that that's true, a hundred percent true. Yeah. It's not like we're going into the Middle East to yeah. spread democracy. No. We're not. We didn't go into uh, South and Central America yeah. to spread democracy. How many democracies are there now after we came out? Right. How many of them are like you were saying in shittier spots than right. when we went in in the first place? Yeah. It talks specifically about that uh, the Iran one because it says that Mohammad Mossadegh was a beloved figure in Iran. It says during his tenure he. And introduce a range of social and economic policies, the most significant being the nationalization of Iranian oil. Great Britain had controlled Iran's oil for decades through the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. After months of talks, the prime minister broke off negotiations and denied the British any further involvement in the oil industry. Britain then appealed to the U.S. for help, which eventually led the CIA to orchestrate the overthrow of Mossadegh and restore the power to... Uh, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the Shah, the last Shah of Iran. Then goes on to say, it talks about uh, Chile. Talks about this uh, one guy that won an election, and for some reason, just a few weeks later, Nixon basically said, "Take this guy out." It took a few tries. We took the guy out, and goes on to say. After that coup, it led to a brutal 17-year reign of terror by a military dictator. Yeah. Again, democratically elected. We went in there to save their freedoms under dictatorship, military dictatorship. But but we got what we wanted out of it. And it didn't even say in that one what what we wanted out of that one. Yeah. I I think the only couple times that we stayed behind to try to rebuild was— Iraq and, and Afghanistan, and again, those turned into shitholes. I don't know that we stayed to rebuild those, I think. Well, but, so, I mean, after Bush Sr. went in, and mm. yes, totally decimated Iraq and left it a, a raving shithole for 20 mm. years, you know, Jr. went in and took out Saddam, but then, yeah, they tried to control the territory, they implemented a democratic 
government. Sure. But we'll, again, we'll call it that. but again, there is resources there that they want it. Right. right. Obviously. Yeah. And and with Afghanistan, I think it was one of those where it was a strategic point and they stayed there to, you know, build schools and whatever else, you know, whereas mm-hmm. but again, it was something where they, they needed to control the area. Right. So So um the other one was Guatemala and apparently in the fifties there was an American owned fruit company. The United Fruit Company made billions selling Guatemalans bananas. In fifty one, um this Arbenz guy was elected president of Guatemala. He promoted a policy to allow the redistribution of undeveloped lands held by large property owners to landless farmers, who were 90% of the population. The United Fruit Company was concerned about losing profits and contacted President Eisenhower. CIA then began Operation PB Success, which removed the president from power. This was another example of the CIA orchestrating a coup which overthrew a democratically elected leader. Hmm. After that, Guatemala went on to have horrible dictatorships for the next 40 years. Yeah. And specifically, this is why they call like those South American territories banana republics mm-hmm. is because of that whole banana yeah. war there. So so uh, all this shit, I mean, we don't even like really... We talk about a lot of the Middle East ones yeah. and stuff, but... You, Oh yeah, no. Very rarely do we look down in Central America and South America because we fucked them over plenty. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, that's where the term "strongman" came from was Mm -hmm. Central and South America that we can instantly put these assholes in power that just wreak havoc. And how how often have we like been solely responsible for just like the drug running and stuff in these countries to to support other? expeditions right. into other countries yeah. and i mean we just totally screw up their economies we totally screw yeah. up their governments and to- just dismantle their democracies because we want oil yeah. or we want freaking to sell bananas i guess yeah. so yeah um so then when we look back at russia and all the the things that we're doing there um the messing with their economy to disrupt the right. disrupt the economy and piss the people off. And then you get Biden up there running his mouth saying, well, he just needs to not be in power. Right. But then they come out and they're like, no, we we have no interest in regime right. change whatsoever. It's like, yeah. look at all these examples of how we've done exactly the same thing. Specific, like, known examples. Not, not even talking about the Banana Republic ones, but like Cuba and stuff, how yeah. all we did was disrupt their economy because we wanted yeah. their oil and their trade and, and shit. We wanted control over it. Right. And when we lost that control, we decided, hey, let's disrupt their economy yeah. and in an attempt to overthrow Fidel Castro. Right. Well, and, you know, when we were doing our NED talk, National Endowment for Doc- uh, Democracy, uh-huh. you know, it was mentioned that they're currently operating in 92 countries. Mm-hmm. 92 countries. That should worry the rest of the world. Yeah. And what was it was uh, Russian Times that came out and was like, we can't have anything to do with the yeah. National Endowment for Democracy because yeah. their goal is to to uh, basically undermine us. Yeah. yeah. And what was that? Like, you tried to send me an article about that today. Yeah. And Facebook wouldn't even allow you yeah. to send it. Right. Yeah. I know. I couldn't believe that. And yeah, that was the one that had the NED's involvement in different foreign el- yeah. elections. Um, I don't even think I have that one pulled up. Yeah, I do. Right here. <laughs> I had to email it to myself from yeah, my phone. I had to text it to you because it wouldn't me- Facebook I Messenger. I couldn't even Facebook message it to myself. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
And so um, it talks about just the different elections that the NAD alone has manipulated. And um, that includes Nicaragua in 1990, Mongolia in 96, um, helped overthrow democratically elected governments in Bulgaria and Albania in the 90s, uh, worked to defeat the candidate for prime minister in Slovakia in 2002. Um, Then in the 90s to early 2000s, there were heavily funded members of the opposition to Hugo Chavez, who we talked about in Venezuela. Um, In the 90s and afterwards, they supported a coalition of groups in Haiti, Haiti. We didn't even talk. Get to the NED yeah, and Haiti. Uh, I know. Like we didn't even hear about the NED in our our Haiti episode where we talked about yeah. all the shit that How goes on in that? Haiti. I I don't know, but they were heavily involved in the '90s in Haiti, and then um, it says, known as the Democratic Convergence, who were united in their opposition to Jean Jean Bertrand Aristide and his progressive ideology, while he was in and out of the office. Of the presidency, and I think he was, um, wasn't he the one democratically elected yeah, one? I think was so, a, yeah, Aristide or whatever. Yeah. So, so they've had their hand since the mid '80s. The, like, like we mentioned, the CIA had their hand in it. And now, NED has their hand in yeah. it. And what, what kind of really led us to this conclusion is you said the last time we talked about this, when we predicted all this, mm-hmm. you had said that. The NED, the second most place that they give the most money to is Russia. Yeah. Number one being Ukraine, number two being Russia. So yeah. um, the NED having all this power of influence and regime change and their whole bread and butter, getting back to the uh, the three types of regime change from the U.S., their bread and butter is from the bottom. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. influencing the public, influence like uh, promoting propaganda to the public, uh, financing these activist groups and stuff. That's their bread and butter. Yeah. So um, they're not like the assassins, the, no. the tactical assassins or the military. They they specialize in, from yeah. the bottom, regime change. There was one... Um, oh God, I can't find it right now, but it talked about how... Uh, that they had hired a, a guy who was a, like a prominent terrorist... <laughs> To like wreck shop on a country they were trying to uh, do a regime sh- change on. How'd that work out? <laughs> Did that come t- come back to bite them in the ass? Yeah, I, said, yeah. I, I don't I, know. I again back to what we were talking about. How many times has this been successful, or like the outlook ended up better than yeah. the previous situation? Yes, we might have more access to oil for an extent. How many times have we put in it? a person through a regime change and then yeah. turned around and been like, Oh shit, that guy was bad. We yeah. got to take him back out. <laughs> right. I mean that, well, and, and I Gaddafi, mean, that was Gaddafi, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Basically put him in power and then turn around. It's like, wait, wait, that's, yeah. that was a bad and choice because he was, he, he promised no communism in his country. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, okay, well he can't be all that bad. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, then what happened? Yeah. Well, what, what's the moral of that story? Yeah, exactly. Well, and several African nations, same thing, you know, right. no communism in our country, but nothing's wrong with a little genocide. Yeah. <laughs> murder, genocide, rounding up your own civilians and, yeah. uh, butchering them, you know, yeah, freaking human rights abuses, but at least we get cheap oil. Right. Yes. I mean, that's just their culture, right. you know? Um, so I guess, I mean, do you got any more? Like, we've only touched on a couple of oh, them. There's yeah. so many there's of them. There's so many of them. You know, there's... 
there are those that theorize that some of those um, regime changes have, ta- you know, that they've been trying to work on on the United States itself, mm-hmm. you know, through different organizations. Um, some of them say, you know, that, uh, you know, taking out Kennedy was an attempt at a regime change. I absolutely agree with that. Yes. Um, I think if Trump was reelected, they would have done the same thing. Yeah. I think, uh, well, we talked about that article that basically said um, they had to preserve democracy by doing all this uh, manipulating bullshit. You remember yep, that one? Yep, yep. And I, I feel like that was not saying that Trump was the good guy here, but I yeah. feel like no, that, that was, was definitely inside regime change. regime change. Absolutely. It was um, because they used the tactics that they used from, you know, like the Arab, Arab spring that mm-hmm. we talked about, like social media and stirring up the, the freaking populace and whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, kind of our thing yeah it's what we're known for it is it is which is really sad because you know people okay the myth is that people look at the united states as this beacon of freedom and it's such bullshit and then we're over there you know pushing all this shit on other countries yeah and it's only democracy we only support your democracy if your democracy somehow benefits us. Yeah. If it doesn't benefit us, then we don't want anything to do with you having democracy. We want to put in a dictatorship to um, that we can bend over backwards. Yeah. And um, Th- this one's interesting. Go ahead. All right. This is a okay. Chris Hedges. Uh, he said that since Ronald Reagan, the U.S. has been undergone a, a corporate coup d'état in slow motion. Amy Baker Benjamin concurs that the USA w- was taken over by a group of people with the policy coup, uh, with the policy coup, Wolfowitz and and Cheney and Rumsfeld, and you could name a half dozen other collaborators from the project of the new American century. When was this? This was when Bush was president. Okay, Junior. Really? Yes. Yeah, I, I I could see that. So, so why General Clark, an unimpeachable witness? was not questioned by the Security Council during its Libya deliberations is a supreme mystery. Um, so it goes on to talk about, you know, how they felt like this gets into conspiracy theory, but, you know, like... Well, that's what I love, so... Well, yes, you know, 9-11, of course, was enacted by this group, but apparently this group had over 25 members serving in the Bush administration. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that group. Is that our our group of the week? I think that's... What was the name of the group? Of the a uh, project for the new American century. Okay, so basically, new world order without yes. saying new yeah, world order, right. <laughs> um, but a, a nationalized new world order is what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like um, the new colonization efforts yeah. or whatever. You yeah, know, that's kind of what it seemed like. Um, that's interesting. I, I mean, we all saw it. I mean. Not all yeah. of us, I guess, but we see it, look back at it now and see it. But then when you put like a name on it like that, it's yeah. it's very interesting how that works. But mm-hmm. um, we got to wrap this thing up. I, we're coming back to Biden's statements and stuff. Um, Biden actually said last week that, oh, Putin thought uh, he was going to roll in because NATO's so divided and stuff. But we've never been so unified before. He did not expect us to unify like we did. But um, there's stuff out there saying how NATO is now more divided because of the shit that he yeah. said about um, regime change. Absolutely. Because even f- 
like I said, France came out, and he's like, whoa, 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 we're trying to negotiate peace here, yeah. and you're running your mouth about, hey, you step one more inch, yeah. or uh, Putin needs to be taken out of power. He can't remain in power. And yeah. he's like, this is counterproductive to what we're yeah. trying to do here. Yeah, and I, I saw Turkey's actually hosting Putin to come for peace talks. Yeah, all these countries are trying to usher yeah. some, even even. Ukraine is saying, you know, we could work out a deal here. We don't have to join NATO. I know we've been talking about it, and that was the whole ordeal, but maybe we've decided we don't. And then Putin's like, or Putin, Biden's like, one more inch, you you wily bastard, and we'll unleash hell on you. And everybody's just like, dude, stop. What are you doing? I'm sure Britain's like, yeah, get him. Get him. Yeah, get him. Even though he's like, even though Britain's like, but it's up to the Russian people now. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the Russian or the you, God, United Kingdom Prime Minister. He's probably one of those guys that can't really wink. He's like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, dude, we can see. We, like, we can see what you're doing. <laughs> it's like, no, but but really, it's up to the people. Stop, stop, stop <laughs> winking, dude. <laughs> um, I can't remember who said it, but. Some members of NATO were saying that uh, Biden's talks could actually lead to more direct Russian NATO confrontation, and yeah, that's what, what it seems like. Yeah, so so they're they're all kind of more divided now yeah. because of these statements. There was a there was a quote by Biden. Um, oh gosh, I couldn't find it when I was looking for it. But was I, it legible? <laughs> yeah, right. He said something about like um, they were asked about like um, like troops or. Conditions in Ukraine, and he's like, "Well, the American troops will will see what that is when they're when they get there." So yeah, it's like if you if you didn't know better, you'd almost think he wants to go to war. I really think with he Russia. Does. I really think he does. And what what would the outcome of that be? I mean, we've talked about it at least three or four times. The outcome yeah. of going to war with Russia and how. Yeah. Catastrophic that would be. That would just be a stupidly but horrible idea. Is he is he just so stupid or so egotistical? I, I, but Are they they hand keep in hand? saying he's going off script and stuff, but yeah. I mean, should we have to be afraid every time the freaking president goes off script? And on the other hand, he's got to be hearing this from somewhere. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like when he's a kid. It's like when a kid yeah. says the f word. Right. She she didn't learn that on her own. Yeah. She's she's heard it from somewhere. Right, exactly. I mean, we got this child in the White House yeah. that's saying swear words. Yeah, and we He's you got from somebody. You got to stop and be like, where where's the source of this coming from? As, as the people here, right. we can't just assume that Biden's just like lost his shit. Yeah. Which he, I mean, yes, he Obviously has. Obviously, he has. But this information has to be coming out of somewhere. I agree. He can't just be making this stuff up yeah. on the fly. Right. I mean, at least somebody is suggest. Well, obviously, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, suggested it, and others have suggested yeah. it. So, I I don't know. But but the president of the United States, I mean, it's bad enough a senator is calling for it, but the president of the United States, it's like you need to have some kind of decorum. Yeah, you would right? think. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you feel about somebody. It's like it's politics for a reason. Yeah, right. When do you when do you take grandpa and put him in the home? <laughs> <laughs> That's the ongoing question. Um, so yes or no, is the U.S. wanting to impose some sort of regime change in Russia? Absolutely. You think so? Yes. Like, you think, okay, so there's two views to this. So there's either no, they don't want it at all, which we both 
know that that's not yeah. the case. They would love to see Putin gone and somebody that plays ball better. Yeah. So do you think it's, uh, yeah, the, the people are getting unruly and yeah, it'd be convenient if they overthrew Putin. Right. Or do you think it's, oh, the people are getting unruly and wouldn't it be convenient if we push them to overthrow Putin? Which, which do you think it, you think I, we have more indirect Yes. Influence I, there? I, I'm sure, again, that we have people on the ground that we're, tr- we're trying to push more influence for it to happen. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of now, propaganda there. What, what I think is it won't happen is that I think China will, will prop them up. Prop Russia up? Yeah, I, I think I China too. will prop them up. And, again, you have India, who's buying gas at a discount price, <laughs> and they won't be the only ones. I guarantee you right. whoever wants to come buy discount oil, Putin will sell to them. China will prop up Russia, specifically, not because they like Russia, but specifically to maintain that Batman-Joker yes. yeah. balance in right. the force, because if uh, Russia get become suddenly pro US then yeah. 3 quarters of the world is now it's Ru- the it's yeah America Russia treaty or whatever yeah. um against China well and, and let's face it as long as Putin is the bad guy China can do what they want yeah well, as long as we keep on China. looking at Russia we keep looking at and once once that flips and it's pro yeah Pro U.S. government in Russia, then every all eyes are on China. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, you're next, and China yeah. doesn't want that. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, they're very clear. They want to stay out of the freaking right. the war because they have uh, economic aspirations mm-hmm. that, yeah, well above our oh yeah realm of thinking. Yeah, again, you know, we're playing Candyland. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, interesting side note is I saw that the uh, NED is actually uh, meeting with the Taiwanese government uh, this week. So, Taiwanese. Hmm. Yeah. So, so um they're just going there for humanitarian purposes, oh, I'm obviously, sure. Obviously. I mean, not the fact that um the U.S. government hasn't said in the last couple of weeks that, hey, we should start ba- backing Taiwan or right. Chinese Taipei or whatever we're calling it. Yeah. Um, well, that should that should raise some concerns. <laughs> yeah, I think so. When the NED decides, hey, um, we're just going to make a quick little yeah. trip over to Taiwan. Uh, regime change immediately. At least in Taiwan, we're going to push some sort of... Right. I mean, we've been back kind of inadvertently backing right. the Taiwanese anyway and yeah. the and the um the activism that's going on there. So yeah. I mean, yeah, might as well send the NED in because we gotta clean this up a bit and make make things happen. So right. well, um, just like that article I sent you where NED's now erasing any sign that they uh wherever in Ukraine. Yes. Yeah. That's shady and shitty on its own, right? Um yeah. oh yeah uh Look on our website. There's no evidence anywhere. I yeah. mean, memory hold. Specific, right. straight up memory hold. 1984 oh, yeah. style stuff there. Yeah. So where does this go? Do we? Does Putin get overthrown by his own people? You think that's even a a possibility? I mean, I, I think it's a possibility. I don't think it'll happen. What would the outcome be? A pro U.S. democratically elected <laughs> uh, for the people leader that. For the benefit of humanity, right? I mean, that's the pipe dream, right? And then, and for, then we get their the oil too. Yeah, we get their. <laughs> that is true, right? 
it's always a common denominator everywhere. Oil. Even though we're trying to get out of fossil fuels, we're still going after the country. We don't ever go after the countries with no oil. No, no because that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> that's about all the time we got for tonight. You got anything else, anything to add, any like positive spin on all of this? Any odds that uh, NATO troops in- interact with Russia? Um, only if they have to because Biden keeps running his mouth right. and, and Russia's like, you know what? Fine. Fine. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to do this because you won't shut the fuck up. want a piece? Let's go. Let's go. He rips his shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> I take that back. He never had his shirt on yeah, in the first right. place. Exactly. Um, rides in on his bear. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a possibility of it just because the U.S. won't shut the hell up. Yeah. I think if the rest of NATO would decide, you know what, you need to sit down and take the sidelines, kind of what they attempted to do to the U.K. before the war kicked off when everybody's like, no, shut shut, shut up, dude. Yeah. We we don't want this. Shut up. Yeah. Like, what do you have to do with any of this? Just sit down and shut up. Right. I, if NATO were to collectively say, we are negotiating peace, stop freaking talking, right. then... Maybe not, but I don't see that happening because the U.S. has so much influence over NATO that I think uh, the U.S. will continue to pressure and pressure and pressure until something. uh, There's going to be at least I I feel like there's at least going to be a little bit of NATO involvement. Would would NATO break over this if Biden keeps pushing? Um, no, no. I, I it's don't. too important to keep that. Yeah, there's too much U.S. funds rolling yeah. in, uh, too much military finances rolling in. I mean, NATO collapses without the United States. Right. That's the one thing yeah. Trump said right was <laughs> yeah. the U.S. props up NATO. Um, yeah. Without the U.S., NATO is nothing. I mean, maybe they formed their own strategic alliance in Europe. I mean, all the European countries would have to collectively yeah. combine forces in order to— yeah. Protect but then Europe. the U.S. is like, well, fine, I'm taking my nuclear weapons home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I don't know where this goes. Yeah. Um, we've been wrong so many times. So, yeah, we But have. we've been right this time, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. Anyway. Wait, you know what? I'll take one right. <laughs> yeah, we'll take, we'll take the win. We'll take we the win. <laughs> yes. I mean, we have documented proof That's that right. we were right. So uh, let us know what you all think. Do you think the U.S. wants regime change? Do you think Biden's words were more accurate than Anthony Blinken wants you to think? Or do you think he was just saying that uh, Putin needs to not have yes, it, like, enforce his power on his neighbors? It was his moral outrage. Yes. What do you think? Let us know in the comments. The comments are always open. We have our all our social media pages. We have a, uh, a forum on Facebook called the Breaking the Bell Forum. I know it sounds retarded, but... Um, the Break the Bell Forum got axed off Facebook during the great social media purge, so I had to cr- come up with something else. Otherwise, we're on Twitter. I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Um, otherwise, comment section here on the video. Yeah. We're or everywhere. just hit us up. I mean, we're everywhere. Yeah, I'll just give you my number and you can text me. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> can you imagine the spam you'd get? Oh, my gosh. Uh, share this stuff all over social media. Tell us what you think. Um, share it with a friend if you enjoyed it. Like, subscribe, all that fun stuff, because that's how we get our name out there. I mean, sometimes we get to the end of an episode, and we have a conclusion. Other times we get to the end of an episode, and we're like, I don't know. It's up to the Russian people. It's up to, <laughs> yeah. That's that's in the hands of the Russian people. Yeah. Uh, we have no way. We 
yeah, we have no interest in regime change. It's yes. up to the Russian people. And it's up to the Russian people whether or not you like and subscribe and share this video. <laughs> so we're going to appeal to our Russian friends. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. This has been a great show. Have a great rest of your week. Be back here next Monday, 7 Central time for that live edition. Otherwise, be back here for the weekend wrap-up, which is where we wrap up the week. Well, plenty NFL draft talk. No, we won't. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Peace. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Justin Zielinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and T.O. Jacobson. A shout-out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On The Run Podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.